With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. I live in the dream once again on a fabulous Sunday. It is Hartman and Ornberger. By the way, Rich, Iowa Sam is ready to set the table today for some uh, delicious subs. (laughs) We're going to have some... Some eats today yeah, here on a it, Sunday. It it's been a while. Yeah. Since my last pizza run for everybody. I know. Uh, I yeah. know. I yeah. know. Finally, Sam's stepping up to the plate. Yeah. He had a game plan this week. Last <laughs> week, he was way off base. He he thought he had a place open, but it was Mother's Day and nothing was open yesterday. Yeah. That will change today. How are you, Rich? I I'm saw good. you this week. I mean, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, you dropped by the studio down in San Diego. <laughs> it was good to uh, catch up with you. Reunited uh, in the afternoon. <laughs> that was incredible. It really. Was. All we did was talk about your your uh, date nights. Your d- yes, your yeah. so, your social life was a topic of conversation, which it always is. It's amazing. I, I haven't yeah. been there in the afternoons for a while, and that's all anyone wanted to talk about. Yes, the expansion of Tuesday date nights. Well, what 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 occurred yeah. in in the time since you left the afternoon show for the morning show you know mm-hmm. you, you kind of elbowed your way to to the mornings you, yeah. you told us you, 
Step aside. Is that you. how you remember it? You're like, step aside, you idiots. It's time to show you how a real professional voice but man gets But you can keep the loose cannon name. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, uh, so we've been getting a lot of texts. There's been a lot of concern about right. Steve and, and his, uh, Still alive. His, social, <laughs> his social life. And we've, uh, we, we, you've, you've really discovered um, a pathway to yeah. – uh, to, to the fountain of youth, it sounds like. Well, it, it, it's it's a combination of things are working for me right now. All right, I'll tell you what's not working for me as we get the show started today. Now, yesterday I was sitting here with Ryan Hollins uh, during the ceremonies for the Basketball Hall of Fame, which was delayed eight months. What was what happened yesterday was supposed to happen eight months ago, but because of the pandemic, it had been delayed. Very emotional yesterday, especially with uh, Kobe Bryant. Uh, his wife, Vanessa, was up there to speak, escorted by Michael Jordan. And, you know, it was very emotional yesterday. And, you, and we had a chance here with uh, Ryan to talk about not only Kobe, but the other two big names in that class, which were Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett. Yeah, and, you know, of some people say this might be the best trio ever inducted in the same year. I don't know. There was a year where Michael Jordan was in with David Robinson and John Stockton. What do you think of that? That trio, Jordan, Stockton, David Robinson versus Kobe, Duncan, and Garnett. It's pretty close. It's pretty close, although I'll argue. Mm. I'll argue in favor of the Stockton, Jordan, Robinson trio above the trio that was inducted this year yeah and the the way i see it is because the the trio this year very good obviously headliners in mm-hmm. their own rights but not one of them can you really make the argument any of them the greatest of all time don't Even, say that to Laker fans. You understand that. Yeah, I get it. I, I mean, understand. Laker fans will always be blinded when it comes to Kobe. Well, I wouldn't say that's true, though, because there are some Laker fans who obviously have a great allegiance to Kobe and the championships yes. he won in a Lakers uniform, but respect Jordan's game or LeBron's game. They're, especially since he's jumped ship and, and is now a Laker and has won a championship for the Lakers and could be multiple. He's still got time on this contract. So yesterday they had these ceremonies and you would think, well, there were three people inducted, right? Those are the three names, but there actually were nine people inducted. And I'm sure a lot of people are confused when a coach named Barbara Stevens walks up there and gives a long speech and you're like, I've never heard heard of Barbara Stevens. Who is she? Um, you might have heard of Tamika Catchings, you know, very famous uh, women's player. But, you know, yeah. you, and you find out that this is a woman that's been coaching basketball for a number of years uh, and not even at the Division One level. But she's won a lot of games. Yeah. So you're like, well, how is she in the same Hall of Fame? I was with unfamiliar Kobe? with her name until yeah. yesterday. But So exactly. And I'm sure people will forget her name. And this is no disrespect, but it's sort of like, how are these people in the same Hall of Fame? It, you know, in, in, in football, you have a pro football Hall of Fame and you have a college football Hall of yeah, Fame. Of They're course. very different games. Of course. You know, a Ty Detmer was a college football Hall of Famer. He's not a pro football Hall of Famer. Oh, not even close. Tim Tebow will be, if not already, because I'm not... He's I not eligible kept... yet, but he okay. will absolutely... He'll be a college football Hall of Fame. There is no chance he gets to Canton. Correct. And even, that's not a unless, problem. Unless he has this complete career rejuvenation with the Jacksonville Jaguars as a tight end. We don't know. <laughs> Maybe he'll be Gronk's number. <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing. If you were a little bit sort of taken back by these nine people or six that joined the big three yesterday, wait till you get a load of what happened today. So 
because yesterday's ceremony was supposed to take place eight months ago, they're back on a normal schedule. So today, the announcement had to come fast and furious. Today, yeah. the class of 2021 is announced the morning after they inducted the class of 2020. Well, let's dig in. What do we got? I didn't uh, look at this you yet. You are not going to believe this. Okay. So if you thought a nine-person class was a, large a, class. a little thrifty, a little bit heavy, right? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah sure. Today they announced the, and they just announced this in the last ten minutes. So hang on a second, right. but before you tell me the number of of yeah. uh, inductees, uh, what is a typical class size? If nine is a, I would say nine is about right. Okay, okay, it, it, and it, it's increased over the years. They used to have, I, I've been following obviously the basketball hall of fame. They would have. Five or six people, which okay. is, you know, right now the Pro Football Hall of Fame with extra categories is maxed out at eight. Yeah, that's what we right. have. It used to be five. They Baseball expanded. obviously is less than that. Certainly. Because, you know, with the veterans, they might, they had a six person class, which is hefty, but it's usually about four people is the normal. So, you know, yesterday, nine person class in the Basketball Hall of Fame, which is like the new average. Today, the class of 2021 has. 16 names. All right. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. That's almost double the average. Right. Now, I will start with the headliners before I get to the rest of these names. And and seriously, if you are and you consider yourself a real basketball fan. Oh, like, I love the sport. Like I watch the NBA, I watch college hoops. I I of course. I even have some semi knowledge of of the WNBA or women's college. I have, you know, some some knowledge of the big names. Yeah, yeah. You're going to be challenged today. Okay, All right. Let's hear so it. the four big names to get into the Basketball Hall of Fame today are Paul Pierce. Of course. And that's sort of a no-brainer despite his shenanigans on the uh, video recently. Yeah, I I think uh I the the game speaks for itself. <laughs> the All rest right. is a beautiful mystery. All right, so uh, Paul Pierce now joining his uh, Celtic teammates Ray Allen yep. and Kevin Garnett in the Hall of Fame, no question there. All right, Chris Bosh is now in the Hall of Fame. Makes sense. Uh, Multiple again, championship winning. He was an 11-time All-Star yep. and, and, and sacrificed a little bit oh, you know, did. with uh, LeBron and D-Wade. When he was in Toronto, he was devastating. Right. Uh, he was a great point scorer, and he absolutely joined the Heat to win championships and played third wheel. He he regressed as far as his role, mm-hmm. but he he impressed everybody with his, his teamwork and the camaraderie they were able to create over a, such a small amount of time with with Wade and James. By the way, one of the best interviews I've ever done of an NBA superstar. I mean, he Bosch is an impressive guy. He really is. So yeah, he seems Bosch. Yeah. Bosch gets into the Hall of Fame. So of those course. two were no brainers. The next name on this list is Chris Weber. So Weber's been uh, nominated several times, sure. and. Remember, it's not the NBA Hall of Fame. It includes your entire career, the and there's basketball. Nea Smith basketball, basketball Hall, Hall of Fame. fame. Right. So obviously, you take into account that he was the main guy in the Fab Five. No question about that. Went to back-to-back championship games. Yes, he's famous Michigan. for the timeout. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, five-time NBA All-Star, All NBA, never first team, but second or third team five times. To me, he was sort of like. Close. Can I tell you what pushed him over that edge, honestly? Because yeah. we're talking about all things being considered the commentary work. Mm-hmm. I think because he's become a great ambassador for the sport as well and keeps his name very relevant and on the tips of the tongue of people who have votes. Right. And so I think that that probably helped tip it in his favor. All right. So Chris Weber gets in. 
And the fourth big name, if you can call it that, is Ben Wallace. Okay, all right, all ben right. Ben Wallace of the Detroit Pistons. He's a four-time yeah. NBA Defensive Player of the Year. Now, get this. Are you ready for this? So he played 16 seasons in the NBA, won a championship with Detroit. Yes, he did. His career scoring average, career, 5.7. That I saw coming. <laughs> Five, a little bit now, more, we thought it little was a little bit more of a rim protector. So we were a little thinking, bit more of a rebounder. Yeah, you know, with Rodman, <laughs> Rodman, Rodman played on five championship yeah. teams, led the league in rebounding many times, and averaged seven point three points a game right. for his career. And you're thinking, okay, he's that's you know barely right. We're greasing the skids a little bit. Ben Wallace. Career scoring average. So I was talking to Ryan Hollins about this because it apparently it had leaked out about one Ben Wallace. Can you look at a one-dimensional player? And you're you're a big part of this as well, Rich, where you say, like, if you're a Hall of Famer, you got to do a lot of things well. Can you be a one-dimensional player? Because Ben Wallace gave you nothing at the offensive end. No, literally. He, did not. he wasn't a good passer. He couldn't shoot. He didn't do anything at the offensive end. But he obviously was a standout four-time defensive player of the year. Can you have a – well, can, I, can you? It's done. Yeah, it's done. I, I'll say this. Again, you're considering his college career as well, which I, I know admittedly very little about, but I, I do remember his impact with a very, very talented group in Detroit. And that was the singular year where his play really stood out to me. Obviously, there was a lot of chatter about the, the Detroit Pistons, and when you saw them against – uh, quality playoff competition, he really he rised to those occasions. So he stood out as an important and integral piece of a championship-winning team at that time. But, look, I mean, closers in baseball make it into the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Place kickers in football make it into the Hall of Fame. And you could argue that their role in those two professional sports are exceedingly small. In the grand scheme of things, because you have these long games, a lot has to happen, a kicker walks on the field for literally seconds a game, and his impact could be great. There's no question about it. Same with the major league closer in baseball. But um, the amount of time that they spend on the field itself is minimal. Right. In this case, the amount of help he lent the Pistons or any team he played for over a storied career was minimal offensively, but that defensive presence was was obviously felt, especially during a time where the game was played in the paint. Right. This wasn't the perimeter game you see now. This game, everybody, you know, slashed and burned. Everybody was trying to get to the rim, and you needed a competent big man, and he was one of the best for parts of two decades. All right, so those are the four headliners. Yeah. Pierce, Bosch, Weber, and Wallace. There's 12 more names on this list. There are. On the other <laughs> side, we're going to try to examine what exactly does it mean to be named to the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. What significance does it hold if you have that on your resume that you've been named to the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame? Buckle up. Coming up next. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Steve Harbin and Rich Ornberger. Are you going to go big with your sub today? What are your... Uh, That's actually, a great question. That I, is I, a great question. So... I don't know what I'm Sam do. has a... A feeling like you're going big. I, you know, I, I know the place. Yeah, I'm familiar with the place we're ordering from, and they have really they good do. subs. They, they do some large subs. They do, and yeah. this is a nationally known chain. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I found gonna, a turkey provolone for you, Steve. I'm gonna yes poke That's around mine. their website. I'll, I'll, I'm probably gonna order one of their specialty subs. There, there you go. go. Sandwich, mm-hmm. you know, something. Mm-hmm. Um, gonna get a cookie. Maybe a bag I of chips. Get a, might get a cookie. Well, Maybe a soft drink. <laughs> I could be convinced. Hmm. All right, Whatever so like. um, <laughs> order up. When are we going to see these? And we're not going to see them like when we hour. leave here. No, an hour from now. An hour yeah. from now. I'm yeah. hungry now. It's All right. bre- breakfast time right now. No, it's not. So <laughs> I don't know what time you're eating breakfast. Brunch. All right, so uh, we're, we're talking about the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. The big ceremonies yesterday where they honored the late great Kobe Bryant along with Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett, along with six others that many of you were not familiar with if you were watching the ceremony yesterday. Well, today, they've already announced the new Hall of Fame class. So if you thought nine was a hefty class, try this. Get a load of this one. 16 people (laughs) in one Hall of Fame class. 16. That is just an amazing class. All right, so we were talking about the headliners uh, in the last segment there. We're talking about Paul Pierce, Chris Bosh, Chris Weber, and... Ben Wallace. So here are the other 12 names. Three coaches. Yes. And this, again, talks about the diversity 
of the Basketball Hall of Fame. One of the coaches is Jay Wright. Of course. Who obviously has never had a sniff of the NBA, but has won two national championships uh, at Villanova. And so he's like a college basketball guy, but he's now in the Naismith Hall of Fame with all the other guys. But I get it. Multiple national championships. winner. So Jay Wright is in. Also elected was Rick Adelman. Sure. So Rick Adelman, who never won a championship right. as a head coach in the NBA, he did get to the finals a couple of times. Yeah. With Portland. Yeah. Uh, but when you when you say all time coaching legends, does the name Rick Adelman sort of just, you know, flow? <clears throat> you know, you think of Phil yeah. Jackson, Pat Riley, Red Auerbach. Greg Popovich, M- much Rick Adelman. L- much longer <laughs> argument for Rick Adelman. And this isn't even to say like he isn't a talented or capable coach. That's mm. not the point. We're talking about a Hall of Fame, though. We're talking about right. what people consider, uh, mm-hmm. or voters certainly, right. the best to ever have done it ever. Right. But here's my favorite one. The third coach that got in today was Bill Russell. Okay. Now, this is what we call very interesting. So, Bill Russell obviously was a first ballot Hall of Famer already way back in 1974. He's one of the greatest players in the history right. of the NBA. So, you're like, well, how's he, how's he elected again? So, they actually have no rules about once you're elected as a player, if you're also a coach, you can get in. Hey, by the way, I, I had to look up to yeah. see if – this was a different Bill Russell. Exactly. I was like, so, wait a second, he's already in, so it's not that Bill Russell. And then I'm like, well, no, they're doing it again. Got it. So here's the point. Okay. So Bill Russell, in his last three years that he played with the Celtics, was a player coach. It was a landmark hiring. First oh, yeah, African-American that, coach right. yep. at any of the four major sports. And the last two years he played – he also was the coach when they won championships. Correct. So he's in the record books as a two-time NBA champion coach. He later coached the Seattle Supersonics, a very forgettable run there. No championships because, well, frankly, he wasn't playing. It was always better when he could put himself <laughs> in the lineup. So because of that, Bill Russell gets tabbed again for the Hall of Fame. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. And maybe it's a stupid question. This yeah. class size could have been reduced to 15. I don't know if that makes a lot of yeah. difference to anybody. But couldn't they have just, you know, edited the plaque? <laughs> yes. Just been like, hey, well, there's you know, not really a plaque. Right. Yeah, they don't but have I'm like baseball. Saying, yeah. I'm just saying like, you know, I, and I've been, by the way, Naya Smith um, Hall mm. of Fame in Massachusetts yeah. when I was a kid. I went there twice, once right. on a school trip, once just with my dad. Mm-hmm. Cool experience, especially for, you know, an elementary <laughs> school kid. You should have been where when I was there, which was five years before you were born. Yeah. It was on the Springfield <laughs> campus. And I, to show you how they had sort of like, you know, like uh, stained glass windows. Yeah, yeah. They had sort of like these tubular where they'd have a photo of the inductee. And of course, it hadn't been open all that long. And then. It would have the year they were born and year they died. And if they were alive when they were Word. elected, yeah. and it would say like 1923 and a dash, 
if they died since then, they just put a piece of tape up there with oh the year. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> That's what it was yeah. back when I went there. They, they had renovated. That was the reason why we went, <laughs> yeah. and it was cool. I, I, remember, I hear that's very interactive. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. You could step into Shaq's shoes and all, right. all stuff like that. And I'm not going to go through all these things. <laughs> Please but I'm gonna, don't. I'm gonna give, there, I'll put it this way. Uh, Yolanda Griffith, Lauren Jackson, great WNBA stars. They got in. That's fine. Okay, now Bob Dandridge got in from the Veterans Committee. If you don't know the name of Bob Dandridge, he was like a really good small forward, played with the Bucks and the Bullets, won a couple of championships. He was a fringe guy. Okay. He was a good player, not a really a Hall of Fame player, but he contributed a couple of championships. He gets it. Tony Kukoc gets it. All right. That's the International Committee. Uh, by the way, Ralph Irvin says, do not rip Tony Kukoc. He's more deserving than Ben Wallace. If you look at his international record, Cooch Coach, Cooch Coach obviously uh, was a, but we, if you watch the Michael Jordan documentary, you saw the disdain a lot of the Bulls players have because this was a Jerry yes. Krause guy, yes. Tony Cook Coach, uh, who was never really the player they thought he would be at the NBA level, but he really gets in because of his international. Uh, the other people was a woman I've never heard of before named Pearl Moore, Women's Veterans Committee. She apparently played at a really small school and took a lot of shots and scored a lot of points for schools I've never heard of. So I'll give Pearl Moore. Clarence Jenkins, they have what they call the Early African-American Pioneer Committee. They have a lot of different committees here. And then they have three contributors. One of them is Howard Garfinkel, one of your all-time favorite names. Yep. Uh, he created the five-star summer camp. My point is, why is my buddy Sonny Vaccaro, Sonny Vaccaro not in the Hall of Fame? He created the very first ever high school all-star Game. Well, he never was a prolific songwriter uh, like <laughs> Simon and Garfinkel. No, 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 no. That's, that's Art Garfunkel. Oh, got it. And this is Howard Garfinkel. Uh, Val Kilmer, the former WNBA president, she gets in uh, for her many... Val, I love, Val Ackerman. I love, Did I say Val Kilmer? Oh, Val Kilmer. <laughs> oh, My sorry. favorite Batman. <laughs> Al, I'm sorry. Val He's Ackerman. Val Ackerman. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And then... Longtime NBA coach Cotton Fitzsimmons, who had a losing record in the playoffs, uh, barely over 500 record. He gets in as a contributor because they knew they couldn't put him in as a coach since he never even got to the NBA Finals. But, great name, though. And he died like 17 years ago. And so they're like, hey, great name, right? Cotton Fitz, it sounds like a name. Let's get him in there. Not really as a coach, but contributor. Contributor is always a wide category. Put him in. <laughs> so there is your this is going to be the endless ceremony of endless ceremonies. I don't know why you have any problem with it. I don't see. <laughs> In I fact, my recommendation is they should start the ceremony now and then just sort of string it out over about six months. Nobody owns a red pen in uh, <laughs> in Springfield. I'm telling you. <laughs> Nobody wanted to edit their, uh, yeah. well, look, you know. I mean, would 16 people get in? I mean, enough. Well, enough. it's very right. special. If you're not in the Basketball Hall of Fame, what's your problem? Seriously, what is your problem? <laughs> your problem. Uh, okay. Uh, one guy that did not make it was a nominee. Two people that were of interest to me. Marcus Johnson, former UCLA great, first ever Wooden Award winner, five-time NBA All-Star, passed over again. And Michael Cooper, the legendary defensive stalwart of those great Showtime Laker teams, he got passed over as well. Why he got passed over, I have no idea. Well, they need to make room for Garfunkel. <laughs> yes, our Garfunkel is finally in the Basketball Hall of Fame. All right. On the other side, it's the final day of the NBA regular season, and we've got something to talk about as far as this play-in tournament. Teams that want to be there, 
What's at stake in some games today, especially one game? Breaking down this game is absolutely hilarious. That's coming up. But first, let's find out what's trending right now. Look who's in the house. That would be one Ralph Irvin. Ralph, how are you today? Wow. Doing glorious. And, you know, they could make that uh, induction ceremony bearable if they limit everyone to the number of minutes for their speech that Ben Wallace averaged per game. 5.7 minutes. There I like go. that. 5.7 minutes. 5.7. Just, let's use the Ben Wallace bar for how long to speak. Well, if there's one thing I know just from speaking in brief with Ralph was mm. he's going to be wearing his Kukoc jersey. That oh, night. he's a big Tony Kukoc No, guy. I'm not a Tony Kukoc <laughs> guy. I just think that Ben Wallace, who is just a guy yeah. with the Orlando Magic, mm. and he was, that's why they let him go, and... So for a couple years in Detroit, he he you know had some good years. Great. Yeah, as a defensively. Oh yeah, said, didn't do anything else. I mean, he made Dikembe Mutombo look like a scoring machine. Believe me. Well, you know, I mean, yeah. it can happen <laughs> any given night. <laughs> Anyways, it is the final. Yes, exactly. <laughs> final day of the NBA regular season. Three games on the floor already. All fifteen or all 30 teams will be playing 15 games on the schedule. But right now, Charlotte, a 26-14 lead over Washington, 325 to play in the first quarter. The winner of this game will get the 8 seed. The loser gets the 9, possibly the 10, depending on what happens with Indiana. So it's going to be uh, an interesting game. This is one that actually does matter to these teams right now. uh, P.J. Washington leading the Hornets. He has 11 points on the day. Meanwhile, I mentioned Indiana. They're playing Toronto, and the Pacers with a 31-27 lead over the Raptors. 33 and a half seconds left to play in the first quarter. And already nine points for Dylan McDermott and Karis LeVert in this contest. Boston playing at the Knicks in New York with a 2017 lead over the Celtics. 2.56 to play in the first quarter. The Knicks trying to lock up that fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. Major League Baseball action, plenty of it. The Giants an early 1-0 lead at Pittsburgh. That's in the top of the second. The Yankees already up 4-2 over Baltimore. They're still in the first inning. Blue Jays, two quick runs. They have a 2-0 lead over Philly. Bottom of the first. The Angels strike quick with a run in the first. Now in 1-0 lead over Boston. They're in the second. So we send it back now. It is Steve Hartman and Rich Hornberger. All right. Uh, we'll talk to you a little bit later on, Ralph. By the way, enjoy spa-like comfort and save big on your water bill with a Navian tankless water heater. Go tankless with Navian. You can save hundreds on a new Navian tankless water heater with local rebates. Visit Tankless Made Simple. Today is the final day of the regular season for the NBA. And if the idea of the play-in tournament was to create some late-season excitement, mission accomplished. Oh, yeah. Because there are so many different scenarios that could play out today. Uh, I mean, I I could go down uh, all kinds of teams. Well, let's, let's just start with the game today between the Denver Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers. This is unbelievable. All right, so if you're Denver. Got it. And you beat Portland today, you can leapfrog over the Clippers to become the third seed. Well, seeding makes a big difference in who you play, Steve. It certainly does. Now, how about this scenario? You're the Denver Nuggets. So if they win... They could jump to the three seed. 
But if they win, and the Lakers win their game against the Pelicans today, and apparently New Orleans is playing nobody in this game. They're essentially handing the game to the Lakers. By winning that game, Denver will play the Lakers, who would then be the sixth seed in the first round. If Denver loses to Portland today, they'll play Dallas in the first round. (laughs) So if you're Denver, do you want to play the Lakers in the first round or do you want to play Dallas in the first round? Um, At full strength, there is no question I'd rather see Dallas. I'm I'm saying LeBron and AD, who appear to be healthy and looking playoff ready as of their last appointment, uh, versus uh, versus Dallas. There mm-hmm. is no question in my mind who I'd rather rather face. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you're Denver. You don't want to win that game today. I'd miss the flight. Yes, I mean, because your win, assuming the Lakers beat a New Orleans team that's benching everybody today, puts them into the sixth seed. You are now creating a matchup against the Lakers where if you lose the game, you will assuredly play the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, the Lakers did something interesting this year because I I think, and, and if you're going to believe that everyone was as hurt and as injured as they they said they were, which I mean is I'm willing to believe it, sure. But if they weren't, and you know this was a a great and very very convenient excuse after uh, a long postseason for the Lakers, you know, last one standing, and then a 73 day off season or whatever it was before getting going on a regular season. Buying yourself a little extra time to rest weary legs and then being fresh for the postseason. Yeah, I, I'd be I'd be a little nervous to play the, the Lakers right out the gate because LeBron and A D after a long layoff. Uh and not to mention Dennis Schroeder was also back after a layoff. They were all they were at full strength well, for the, the first time all season long last night. The highlight that that is being shared on social media uh proficiently that yeah. through last evening into this morning is the AD to Schroeder to LeBron right. you know oop dunk. Yeah. And so yeah yeah they're looking they're looking just fine. I mean if they're all healthy right now. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, the odds have been put out for the NBA as far as Vegas odds are concerned. The Lakers are favored to come out of the West and yeah. the Clippers are the number 2 team in the odds. Utah the 1 seed, Phoenix the 2 seed, Denver 3 seed. No one's even looking at those teams. No, no, the no. The Lakers, no. in fact, the only team that has got better odds to win the NBA championship this year the are Nets. the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, again, all these seedings uh, are being absolutely ignored out there. So that's the scenario with the Portland-Denver game. Uh, and, uh, again, not only that, for instance, so this play-in game, another game that is today is the game between – I'm going to make sure I got the right scheduling here – between Golden State and Memphis. So they're playing each other today. And they're tied currently for the eighth seed. So the winner will play the seventh seed for the seventh seed. The loser drops into the 9-10 game. So let's say you're Golden State. And let's say the possibility of your first game is the Lakers as a seventh seed. But if you lose, 
you're playing San Antonio mm-hmm. in the first playing game. So, and for and this is true for both Golden State and Memphis. Right, right. So, the winner of today's game could likely play the Lakers in a play-in game, but the loser gets San Antonio in a play-in game. What's that? Ralph, do yeah. you have a correction? Yeah, well, you got to understand something here. I yeah. understand where you think you're going, but they would play the Lakers win and in. If they Correct. lose, right. if they right. lose, then they'd still play San Antonio to get in. That is so. True. It's a case of winning two games versus winning one game. It's actually a very big game today because of that. Right. That's that's the that exactly because the way the playing tournament works, the seven seed plays the eight seed. The winner of the game is the seven seed. Done. The loser of the nine ten game is out, and then. The, the loser of the 7-8 game and the plays winner the winner of the 9-10 game will yeah. play to determine the 8 seed. That's how the 8 seed works. It's, uh, look, I, I will say And by say the way, this. we're just I talking about this. this. Ralph was mentioning earlier in the East, you got Charlotte, Washington, Indiana all tied right now. Concentrating for the 8-9-10 seeds. On, yeah, exactly right. So this game has a significance <laughs> here uh, between Washington and Charlotte and mm-hmm. Right now, Charlotte is is mopping up Washington. We'll see if the the tides turn here. But, but I will say this: I will say this. We have um, real juice down the stretch of the regular season in the NBA, whereas normally we do not. Normally, there is a a huge striation between your playoff bound teams and the rest of the league, and the majority of that, from a reasoning standpoint, is because if if you're not a postseason team then your best chance to get there at some point is tanking and losing a, a formidable amount of games so that you get ahead in the lottery for next year's draft. Because we all know how the draft works. One player can change your fate, your franchise's fate, for a decade or better, potentially. So I I look at this as, you know, when LeBron James said, whoever came up with this playing scenario should be fired. I disagreed with him at the time. Whoa, 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 whoa. And I still disagree with him. All right, I'll tell you while they'll be fired. So let's say Portland wins today. They beat Denver. Doesn't matter what the Lakers do. The Lakers are in the play-in. They're the seventh seed. Yeah. That's it. I mean, if Portland wins, they're in, uh, and that would be it. All right. We have noises all over the place. That's okay. All right, so so Portland beats Denver today. The <laughs> Lakers are resigned to be in the playing game. And let's say Golden State wins today. So the Lakers play Golden State, and Steph Curry goes off, and the Lakers lose that game. Sure. Now, all of a sudden, they would be facing the winner of the Memphis-San Antonio game in a one game to determine whether the Lakers actually make the playoffs. And you've got LeBron coming back from injury. you got AD coming back from injury. And let's just say in that game, somebody does something. Not a season ender, but they're out the rest of the game, and the Lakers get eliminated. So they were a seven seed, safely into the the old way. Seven seed, they're safely in to play Phoenix in the first round. But because there's a play-in tournament, and they lose to a hot Warriors team one night, and something happens where they lose the next night, now you're the NBA, and you took a seven seed Laker team and eliminated LeBron James before the playoffs even begin. Now, that is a nightmare scenario for the NBA. I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying, but we're we're talking about LeBron James, and if healthy, you want him in the postseason. If not, right. the Lakers lack juice anyways. So I see it this way. A healthy LeBron James in any, you know, 
win two games to to get in, he's going to win one of those two games to get in. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Because I was mentioning this yesterday, Rich. Yeah. So let's say this all played out, where the Lakers are the seven seed, they're in the playing game, and they lose to the Warriors. Steph goes off. Sure. So now they're playing Memphis and San Antonio. I'm with you. There's no way the NBA is going to let the Lakers lose that And that's game. the other side of the coin. And I say I was let, just talking you know about, what I'm talking yeah, yeah, yeah. about. I was talking about, um, you know, just LeBron James's talent. Right. But uh, if, if say, I don't know, like you just, something catastrophic happened. Yeah, let's say wanna, 80 twist an ankle. <clears throat> whatever it may be, okay. where maybe it's a, a two-week injury and he'll mm-hmm. be able to contribute in some Correct. meaningful way as the postseason rolls on. But, yeah, there is a possibility – and I don't think it's far-fetched to believe this because we've seen what ref interference can do to an NBA game. We mm-hmm. can see, based off of history and facts that we have, we have. I, I mean, uh, uh, an NBA a ref went to prison for his role in changing the outcomes of games. One guy, right, can change a lot. So I'm not saying that's necessarily what the NBA is going to do, but... If there is, and we know this happens in all sports because recently there was an NHL official who was uh, caught on a hot mic talking about how he was going to give a makeup call to Nashville during a game. He was fired as a result of the hot mic incident. The NHL sent out some sort of letter that said, oh, we believe in integrity. Okay. Well, here's the thing. If you if you can say it without saying it, infer that the Lakers making it a little bit deeper than a play-in bracket would be good for the league. I'm pretty sure they could find a way to make that happen. I'm sure they'll figure it out, right? All right, so that's what's at stake. There's a lot at stake. I mean, one day, this is it, last day of the regular season to figure out the postseason for the NBA. All right, on the other side, I want to do a little more NBA here, Rich. Yeah. And remember, they took an 82-game season, made it 72 games, and despite starting the season two months later because of the late finish last year, they jammed in this regular season. I mean, these guys have been playing every other day. If they've been playing, stars have been sitting out with injuries and you know load management and everything else. All of that to ensure that the NBA had to have a presence at the Tokyo Olympics. Why exactly was that so important? And why is it more important for the NBA to hold its stand as far as their international compatriots as opposed to the actual league itself. We'll explain coming up next. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Steve Arvin and Rich Orenberger on this Sunday. We've been talking some NBA today, all the different playoff scenarios, new Basketball Hall of Fame class announced today. But now we have a a major dilemma for the NBA that is emerging out of Tokyo because suddenly a state of emergency has been extended in the capital city of Tokyo in Japan because of some major COVID outbreaks. Less than two months from the start of the summer games. 70% of the people of Japan polled say The Olympics should not go ahead. Do not have the Olympics. 70% of the people of Japan are saying no to the Olympics. And by the way, according to the Olympic Charter, it stipulates that the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, should ensure the health of the athletes and promote safe sports. But despite all this and the current outbreaks of COVID throughout Japan, the IOC has no intention of canceling these games. Now, why was it so important to the NBA to jam in their schedule to ensure that they would leave room for NBA players to participate in these Olympic Games in Tokyo? Well, I had I had brought this up two weeks ago when we were discussing this, and I still feel this way. I think the reason why, and and it's obvious, how large of an impact uh, the Asian market has on on the NBA from a financial standpoint. You have a huge, and I'm talking massive viewing audience in all parts of Asia. In Japan, much more popular in China, especially when Yao Ming emerged as a presence in the NBA, really spread the game internationally, specifically in China. Uh, and and we saw the impact and, and we saw the outrage that occurred 
after Daryl Morey spoke up in support of protesters in Hong Kong, and the NBA was pretty soft on that, and then they tried to have a firmer stance, and then <laughs> Joe Tsai, who defended China for obvious reasons uh, and is a majority owner now with the Brooklyn Nets, uh, made his statements. It, it, uh, look, it was a messy, messy situation for the, the NBA, and it cost them hundreds of millions of dollars in those overseas markets. So Billions of dollars. I mean, the bottom line, Rich, is the reason that the NBA went global was financing. But here's the problem. You're beholden to these countries. Once you've signed on that dotted line with China and Japan and all these different countries around the world, you have obligations to them that need to be met. And I'll give Adam Silver credit. He has juggled this nightmare for a while. Bottom line, this regular season ratings are down considerably in the NBA. And you could spin it 100 different ways why fewer eyeballs are on the NBA. But this situation with these Olympic Games, because if these games go on and there is a potential health risk to any athlete that travels in Japan, hmm. are you really going to put your NBA stars at risk? Would the NBA stars want to be at risk? A lot of them also have personal money tied up with these countries. This is something that's going to play out. All right, we'll have much more on that, plus the latest on Aaron Rodgers coming up next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All right, rolling along on this Sunday, Hartman and Orenberger with you. A lot of news out of the NBA. We'll continue to monitor all these games that will determine playoff position, who's going to be in this first ever play-in tournament. So it's going to be interesting by day's end how this is all going to play out in the NBA. We'll also get to some NFL news here shortly. The latest update on the Aaron Rodgers situation in Green Bay. But I want to get to something real quickly because this does have an effect on you, Rich, and a lot of people that are part of play-by-play broadcast teams, whether you're an analyst or the lead play-by-play guy. One of the reasons, when all my years of radio and TV, that I never really had an interest in exploring play-by-play jobs. Uh, I did analyst work for UCLA football for a couple of years. It was sort of cool. It was my, my own school. And I got to be on the sidelines one year and then was moved up into the booth as an analyst the following year. And then it was taken away from me. And I was a little bent out of shape at the first, but in retrospect, not so much. And I know you've done a lot of analyst work and currently do that with San Diego State football. But um, this pandemic created a situation for announcing teams where they were never on the road. Correct. So, I mean, I'll never forget an interview that was done with Rick Monday, who does the Dodger games with Charlie Steiner since the retirement of Vince Scully. And whoever was doing the interview apparently had no clue of what was going on. They brought him on right after the Dodgers won the World Series. Yeah. And he's like, so, hey, Rick, you know, it must have been unbelievable to be down there and with the team finally winning World Series. He goes, I was never there. (laughs) What? He goes, well, so you and Charlie Steiner were, you know, like where? And he goes, 
I in was, L.A. I was never with Charlie Steiner. Or at home, yeah, for the yeah for a lot of for, people. We did a 60-game season, yep. the playoffs. Charlie was in his house. In his living room And somewhere. I was doing the from the stadium in a booth where there was no game. They're like, and the guy was like, what? Why are we having you on? I wanted to get your thoughts on what the atmosphere was like. So as we've gotten into the new year, most major league teams with their local broadcasting teams have continued to do that. Yeah. Where they have their local broadcast teams sitting in their home ballpark, which is empty because the team's on the road, and they're looking at a monitor announcing the games. So I'm talking to one guy that does this, and he told me, guess what? It's going to be like this forever. Because, like, if you're thinking Major League Baseball, you have 81 road games. That's 81 hotel nights. You have per diem money. Oh, yeah. They maybe they have to take a spot on the charter. I don't know if that's any added cost, but, you know. No, it definitely is. And they're like, why are we doing all this if they can obviously get the job done just sitting in front of a monitor at the ballpark? Well, I mean, I mean, if you never traveled again as an analyst for a job, where you're with a you're a local guy and you're never on the road can you f- get the same feel watching on a monitor than you have when you're actually at the stadium no of course not of course not you know and this go this this is um twofold one as a color analyst part of your job you know look a, a play-by-play voice is is the prominent voice on a broadcast right that's who's, you know, outlining exactly what the play looks like for those who aren't closely paying attention to the television screen or for those who are listening on the radio. And then the, the color analyst's job is to really sort of capture the environment, describe mm-hmm. the play from, you know, especially from the ex-athlete eye. In my case, I'm a former football player, so I can give some of the, the more the finer details to why a play worked or why it didn't work. And all that can be done from a monitor. But also, while the play-by-play voice is distracted with focusing on all of the things that are happening on the field, a lot of the environmental pieces are missed. Um, Imagine this. You're, you're doing a San Diego yeah. State-Boise State game, sure. right? And once they've opened up everything, you got a packed crowd. You've seen this, obviously, up at Boise with the blue field and everything else. And as you say, your job as an analyst is really to paint the picture because we want to be at the game. Right. We're not there. Right. You're at the game. Yes. Give us a feel of what it would be like. I always said this about Dick Enberg, the late great Dick Enberg. I always thought that Dick Enberg did the best job of conveying the fans for a second of, I'm here. He did it for every sport he did it. Like, you know, he would always have, like, I can't believe I'm here. I wish you were here with me. If you were with me, this is what I'm seeing right yes, now. He yes. would paint the picture so beautifully. And this is what you can really only do if you were up at Boise, the the field of blue, the fans, everything else that's going on well, there, around there, you. There are things that, okay, so so for example, your play-by-play voice is saying, you know, okay, it's first and 10, right. and they're, you know, the quarterback's under center, blah, blah, blah. Setting up the play, it's an inside run. In the meantime, I could be telling you that, uh, one of the coaches on the opposing sideline was halfway on the field screaming at the defense because right. there was confusion, and it's it's actually a great thing that they didn't get 
uh, penalized for an illegal substitution because there were, you know, there you would were... never see this on a monitor. No, there's, I'm, I'm telling the only you... time I guarantee yeah, you, yeah, yeah, as yeah. an analyst, are looking at a monitor is on a replay. That's it. That's and the only time you're looking at a monitor. Usually, only on a replay that's being discussed, like right. you know, for a potential overturn right. or something like that. A lot of times, you and and the other thing is when you're live and in person and you're calling a game from from an in person standpoint from the booth, obviously. You pick things up in your binoculars you can't see on television. Of course. You know, the cameras, obviously, they give you a two-dimensional space to look at. And, yes, while it has depth and all those things are conveyed through television, there are things that you miss. There's also crowd noise that you miss. There's also the environment itself. Like, how some something's lost in person that mm-hmm. or, or on television that you can't. You can't see unless well, you you're in could person. only see what they show you. Or how about this? I'll tell you, this comes into uh, again. Football is my sport, but I'm sure in baseball as well. I'm sure in soccer and right. you know hockey. I walk the field before every game. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely, so, grass field, artificial turf. Maybe you talk to a coach or two. New field, yeah, something some, uh, a little wrinkle that you can throw into the uh, broadcast. And, and the more you communicate with these people, the mm-hmm. more they give you. And right. so you'll you'll find out injury substitutions right before your game. You'll find out whether or not a coaching staff is tight. How about field conditions? Well, that's another thing. I was about to go down that road. With grass fields or artificial fields, oh, wow, you know, the turf is actually pretty slippery today. It doesn't look it, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, it's a beautiful day. Could but be a factor. They put in a brand new, or they painted the end zone. So, you know, look for some of those corner catches. Some of these guys may lose their footing. It happens all the time. Look, the point is this. You could do a proficient job, and I've done it. I did it this whole last football season for eight games, and you could do a very proficient job. But did I feel like I was giving a complete broadcast? Absolutely not. Calling a game off of a monitor, you're you're missing you're missing the 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 game because you're doing what anybody else could do. Anybody <laughs> else could look at a game sure. on mute and describe what they're seeing. But when you're actually there and conveying the experience, wow, the crowd really got loud on that third down, and I think it factored. I think that had something to do with the reason why. Oh, you're in the red zone, right? The noise level is out of control. You can see they're struggling right now with the signals. The booth is rumbling under our feet. This crowd is energized. You know, things like that. I just, and again, when we're talking about, and and again, we're talking about some of our peers, obviously, that do this, but... It, it affects the fans because you want to get the full experience out there because that's the whole point. They're where you want to be, if, especially when we talk about these local broadcasters where you have a lot invested. When, when I was doing UCLA football, I'm thinking to myself, who's listening right now? The only people that are listening are people who care about UCLA football. Oh, of course, that's yeah. who's listening. Yep. And so it's just – and really, when we're talking about the cost, well, you know, that's a lot of hotel – pennies folks. It really is. So I'm hoping that some of these teams are going to reconsider in an effort to save a few dimes out there. The idea, well, heck, they could still do the job and, and we don't have to pay for them to be on the bad idea, bad idea. It, it's not the same. It is not. You can say, well, it's, it sounds the same. It's not the same. It isn't. And, and the look, there, there's also a thought process about like when you have space and a lot of space and a lot of time between your broadcast team and coaches and ball players and 
you 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 create this distance you're gonna have a more sterile relationship from that standpoint there's less investment for it's natural it it's it's the same as if you're you have family members who live down the block from you or family members who live across the country from you who are you going to know and have more intimate details about it's going to be the family member that you can walk to their house rather than the family member you could fly. It, it's the same exact thing. These relationships get closer. Uh, the information flows a little easier. And then there is more of a buy-in from the standpoint of the broadcaster. I, I can promise you, you don't want to go down that road too far because, like like you just said, I mean, there, there may be no going back. All right. On the other side, I want to get I, – I just had to get that out there because yeah. I was like, no, 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 don't do that. doesn't make sense. Come on now. Spend some money. Get your announcers on the road because that's what the fans want to hear in their broadcast. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has now called out, apparently, his coach in Green Bay. And the Packers coach, Matt LaFleur, he's on his hands and knees begging, begging Aaron Rodgers to stay a Packer. You'll hear what he had to say. Coming up next. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Oh, yeah. Stephen Rich with you here on this Sunday. 
Well, there's a lot of anticipation going on right now. What do you think the uh, ETA is here for our uh, sub sub sandwiches? Yeah, about yeah. Uh, I say less than twenty minutes. Less wow. than twenty minutes. Less wow. than twenty minutes. Yeah, Perfect. Ba- baby, come back, indeed. Yeah, baby, come back with those subs. Sing yeah. it, sing it, Johnny and Daryl. <laughs> sing it. All right. I want to get to the latest on Aaron Rodgers, and this. You talk about stringing out a story, right? So the NFL right now, they do have rookie camps going on. By the way, what's what's the attendance here? I mean, are the rookies all there? Are we seeing full attendance? Whatever came of the voluntary workouts, did they come to some resolve where, you know, we got uh, – the camps that go on post draft. Oh, no, no. I mean, rookie mini camps have been and will continue to go on. Yeah, they, <laughs> and mean, they're fully attended, oh, right? They're, yeah. they're they're not uh, zooming let, let, this stuff, on. right? Let, let me explain something. Okay, the NFL, right? Somehow, and and it's a credit to them, has found a way not to disturb virtually any of their normally scheduled events, mm-hmm. and certainly like. You know, for for something like this, these aren't veteran players we're talking about. These are rookies. These are people who have never worn a helmet in the NFL yet. So they feel, in many cases, if not all, somewhat beholden to learn the system, to be in person, to spend the face time with these coaches so that they could get a leg up on competition, especially these higher round draft picks. So, yeah, rookie minicamps are in full swing, or I should say rookie OTAs are in full swing. And it's only a couple of days. I'd say it's three days, four days max. And then everybody goes back to their corners of the planet and then re- reunite when um, when mandatory OTAs get underway for the, for the offseason. All right. So in the meantime, they always find a way to milk a story. And you definitely have that going on with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. Make no mistake about it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is one of the absolute greatest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. There's no arguing that. But he's not adverse to a little drama. He's one of those guys that some guys try to avoid it. He doesn't shy away from it. He may try to downplay it publicly, but everything that Aaron Rodgers says is very calculated. This is the kind of end of he's a complicated guy. He really is. I don't hang on. I, I want to jump in because he to loves say, to play with the media. He's done this in the past on other subject matters. And so he doesn't mind tweaking a little bit. You I, know, I think I think calculated is the wrong word, and I think you'll agree with this. I don't think Aaron is particularly calculated. I think he's just more honest than most people are willing to be. Mm, I don't think I, there's a lot calculated of, here. I don't think there's a lot of fear in Aaron Rodgers that he's going to affect his brand in a really negative way, even though he may sometimes do just that by speaking his mind. But I just see this guy as somebody, and it's refreshing, honestly, to me, you know, especially as somebody who who you know, played in a locker room and understands how close the culture can be sometimes to hear somebody who just speaks their mind. Now, the problem with doing that is twofold. One, it can have a negative effect on you and how your fans of the team view you. And maybe some people will say, well, Aaron's selfish. Okay, well, that'll affect him directly. There's no question about it. But then there's an argument to be made about the consequences for other players. If you speak your mind openly and honestly, you're going to say things that require now your teammates to answer questions. You open the door for the media to say, well, 
did you hear what Aaron said? What's your reaction? And now if they say no comment, is it no comment because they they don't have a comment actually, or is it no comment because they want to avoid it? And then further speculation swirls. And so by being honest, you can make problems and there are consequences for some of your teammates. But I do think there's less calculation and just more honesty than we're used to from him. Again, when you say honesty, to me, there's a reason why he does things. I mean, I, I, nothing just happens with Aaron Rodgers. It's, I, the, what, the way this guy minds works, and which makes him a great quarterback. He's very analytical. He 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 sees things that other quarterbacks just simply don't see. That's why he's so great. I mean, he can just analyze the field and make the plays that make him one of the great quarterbacks of all time. So apparently now, remember the late field goal? That I, I love this conspiracy theorist because this is what happens right now. Yeah. So you're trying to get different angles on the story. So apparently there are people that say that Aaron Rodgers was using a derogatory name for his coach, Matt LaFleur. Okay. And that because of this, the late field goal attempt, instead of going for a score, was Matt LaFleur's way to get back at Aaron Rodgers. No, these are the kind of conspiracy yeah. theories that are going on about this relationship between Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers. Now, Matt Lafleur is well aware of this, and it, certainly he doesn't want any of this to get out, whether it's true or not. So, Matt Lafleur came out and listened to the tone of Matt Lafleur, coach of the Packers, when he's talking about how much he wants Aaron Rodgers to remain his starting quarterback. I've got nothing new to. Uh, update and uh, we still obviously feel the same way it's uh, you know we want him back in the worst way I know he knows that and um, you know we'll, we'll continue to work at it each and every day well that's a guy and Matt LaFleur is no dummy who knows what he has in Aaron Rodgers and he understands who Jordan Love is and if there is any I don't know proof that Jordan Love is uh, is not yet prepared to take over as a starting quarterback. Do you need any more than a head coach saying, I have nothing to add, but but we really, really, really want him back? It, it's it, Look, can I stop you for just a yeah. second here? When Matt LaFleur took over, this was a Packer team coming off back-to-back losing seasons. Sure. Aaron Rodgers had had an injury during one of those years. It wasn't unreasonable at the time to think that maybe Aaron Rodgers was on the downside. There was, I mean, when you have back-to-back losing seasons, he suddenly has had a couple of injuries. You you jettison Mike McCarthy, and you bring in this complete novice, Matt LaFleur, young guy, as your new coach. There were times before that season, when we talk about the 2019 season, there were plenty of questions about the Packers. There were questions about Aaron Rodgers. And this guy, LaFleur, comes in and posts back-to-back 13-3 and seasons. Rodgers has a monster 2020 where he's the league's MVP. Back-to-back conference championship games. I'm trying to figure out, if you're Aaron Rodgers, and maybe things just went a little south with McCarthy where you know it just wasn't working anymore, and you bring in a new guy to run the show, and you go 13-3 and back-to-back seasons, get to the conference championship game, back-to-back seasons, why is Aaron Rodgers unhappy? He's still holding it against them that they they drafted Jordan Love. Wait a second. When there were still maybe questions whether or not 
Aaron Rodgers' best years were behind him. Well, I I don't think that his beef is with Matt Lafleur and the job he's done as a head coach. I think his beef is with. So the you don't ge- buy into him manager. making derogatory terms on Lafleur. Oh no no no! Matt Lafleur should be criticized for some of his decision making. And if you are a head coach, is he critical that they didn't have are, the right cornerbacks in the game against Tampa? They got burned in that game. That's the reason they lost. Well, they fired that defensive coordinator. Yeah, they did. Well, so my point is, if you make poor decisions in important games and this includes players as well you should be obviously rung up for those poor decisions and so I I mean does it shock anybody that behind closed doors that amongst private conversations that Aaron Rodgers was critical of his head coach for a poor decision no nor should it ever shock anybody that a coach is critical of his players for making poor decisions in important situations. None of that is like that. that I'm, why are we even getting caught up in that minutia? The problem is this: they have a general manager who's been there what three years, Guten Kunst, who you wouldn't know his name, right? Okay, you wouldn't be able to pick him out of a lineup if it weren't for Aaron Rodgers. Okay, and and the success that this team is having. I got news for you. I still back. couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Well, right, yeah. I mean, I only know what he looks like because I I had watched recent press right. conferences of him trying to defend what's going on in Green Bay. And the fact of the matter is, this guy thinks that he's got this figured out, and he's been doing this at this level for three years. I'm talking about being a general manager, operating a front office, making all the decisions. He obviously worked in front offices in his past. I looked at his credentials, and they're, they're, he's worked in the NFL for a long time. But this is the first time where he's had the keys to the car. And guess what? The first ride out of the driveway, he backed into the mailbox because you didn't you didn't know, and maybe you were trying to forecast where things were heading, but you didn't know that your temperamental star quarterback was about to have one of the best seasons of his career, Yep, and you pissed him off. Yeah. Okay, it's not a good situation. So not only does it appear, based on what we just heard from Matt LaFleur, that Jordan Love isn't ready, but you've also pissed off your star quarterback. So right now, Mm -hmm. the rub is in between LaFleur and Rodgers. The rub is between Gutenkutz and Rodgers. And we've heard earlier in this offseason that what Rodgers wants, and, and we have not heard from Aaron Rodgers, by the way, but this is all through sourced reporting if you want to trust it is he wants Gutenkunst gone. And you know what? <clears throat> in a in a results-driven business, he's got a point. Well, he does have a point. You're going to choose your star quarterback after over some anonymous GM 100 times out of 100 times. Okay, so now on the other side, it appears that if Aaron Rodgers is to be traded, there are really only two teams in the mix. Two teams in the mix. And we're going to tell you on the other side why it may not actually work for either one of those teams. But first, let's find out what's trending right now as we welcome back, you know who, Ralph Urban. Hey, that's me. That's you, Ralph. Look at you. We have NBA action going on right now. Four games on Ooh. the floor. Charlotte with a 72-62 lead over Washington. The Wizards with a very badly beat up Bradley Beal, but he is trying to play out there. 7-24 to play in the third quarter, and the Hornets with that 10-point lead. 14 points for Terry Rozier. P.J. Washington, 11. Miles Bridges, 12. Five players already in double figures for the Hornets in this contest. Meanwhile, Indiana rolling 80-66 
Clover Toronto. 6.43 to play in the third quarter of that contest. O'Shea Brissett leading the way. 20 points for the five starters for the Pacers are in double figures. At the Garden, New York, a 55-42 lead over the Celtics. 9.44 to play in the third quarter. No surprise, Julius Randle leading the way. He has 13 points as the Celtics have a lineup complete with who's that? I never heard of him. And what's that other guy? Because <laughs> that's who's starting for, for, for the Celtics today. Uh, they're locked in. There's really no incentive to play this game today. They're in the end of the first quarter, 31.3 seconds to go, and Phoenix a 25-21 lead as they play at San Antonio. Coming up about an hour from now, Memphis and Golden State will play to determine who's going to be the 8 seed and who the 9 seed in the Western Conference. And on the Major League Baseball scoreboard, plenty of action going on. It's a wild one in Baltimore as the Yankees and Orioles are tied at 5 in the 4th inning. The Angels having a day. They have a 4-1 lead playing at Boston. And the Blue Jays just dominating Philadelphia. They've scored in every inning, and they have an 8-0 lead over the Phillies. And that game is headed to the fourth inning. As we set it back now, it is Steve Hartman. It's Rich Hornberger. It's All Fox right. Sports Radio. Thank you very much, Ralph. Uh, as usual, great job out there. Very busy day. Obviously, final day of the NBA. There's Everybody's in action. And some teams are taking the day off. Other teams actually need to play for something. Well, and and this is the problem, and we'll get into this certainly on this show today, but this is the problem with expanding your regular season to a point of diminishing returns because games become, for certain teams that are so fortunate, completely ineffectual to the outcome of their postseason presence, seeding, otherwise. You know, the Celtics are in a position like that. There's many other teams. And the NFL added a game this season. And 16 games felt kind of right, felt kind of perfect, right? Because we didn't see too much of that down the stretch of regular seasons in the NFL. But with an additional game potentially Mm -hmm. opening the door for three unaffected weeks for teams that, you know, say you're, you're 13 and let's see. You would have to be 13 and two mm-hmm. down the stretch of a season where you you might not have to play starters in two of your final, the two final games of your regular season. I, I heard uh, somebody suggest the best way to determine the lottery picks in the NBA is to look at a team's winning percentage after they've been mathematically eliminated. Because once you've been mathematically eliminated, now you're tanking to try right. to lose as many games. But they said reward teams that have the best winning percentage from right. the point of them being eliminated, they will get the uh, opportunity to have a higher pick in the draft based on continuing to play hard and winning games. I don't have any problem with expanding the regular season from a game standpoint if players are compensated appropriately mm-hmm. and if you create an environment for the fans that these players and these coaches and these front offices are still complain or are still competing uh, in a competitive way. You know, where where it's not like, oh, we're just going to test out the depth of our roster and lose the rest of these games this season because it doesn't matter for us. You got to figure out that equation. And many leagues have gone the opposite direction. Baseball has for many, many years. 162 games is way too many. The NBA has. 82 games is way too many. And the NFL is starting to encroach on that. We'll see what the outcome is. All right, I want to get back to Rodgers here. 
So it appears, from what we've heard, certain teams have taken themselves out of the conversation for a possible trade for Aaron Rodgers, one of them being the Cleveland Browns. Yes. Uh, it does not appear that Cleveland is ready to turn the page on Baker Mayfield, a young quarterback who really had a breakout season, first playoff win ever for the expansion Cleveland Browns starting in 1999. I think they're very comfortable that they feel like good days are ahead. Uh, for the Cleveland Browns. So take them out of the equation. We've obviously been hearing about Denver. I want to go to the other team, though, that we keep hearing, and I'm trying to make sense of this one, and that is the Raiders. Okay, I want you to envision John Gruden sure, and Aaron Rodgers. So these are big ego guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. These are monster ego guys. Now, when you look at a working relationship with Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure that LaFleur, out of deference to one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, has given him space, and obviously it's worked. 26-6 and six over two years, a couple of trips to the conference championship game. Maybe I'm wrong in this, but I want you to envision a marriage between John Gruden and Aaron Rodgers. And remember, you're competing in the same division with Patrick Mahomes Yep. and the Kansas City Chiefs. So expectations for Raider Nation would be, you bring in Aaron Rodgers, we're, we're ready to print our tickets to the Super Bowl. That's why you're bringing him in, as opposed to Derek Carr, who put up reasonable numbers, but he's not Aaron Rodgers. How do you think a marriage would work with John Gruden and Aaron Rodgers understanding What's at stake for both of them if that marriage were to come about? Well, I watched two enormous egos um, handle business in New England. Tom Brady, I mean, look, as as much as he is and was during his time in New England and still is with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team-first guy, he has a tremendous confidence in his abilities in the way he sees the game and should. By the time I got to New England, he had won three Super Bowls and he had been playing for 10 years. He had the game down pretty good. Billy O'Brien was his offensive coordinator. Now, Billy O'Brien recently ousted from Houston, had some success as a head coach in the NFL. There's no questioning that uh, before things took a turn for the worse. But but the way he got that job was his efforts as the offensive coordinator with, with New England. And him and Tom, they'd battle at times. There's no question about it. They saw things differently. Billy would have concerns or commentary on how he was handling things. And Tom, there were times where did not react particularly well to it. But they worked it out. And they worked it out because the greater good is served if you work it out. And the greater good is obviously winning games and and keeping the wheels on the offense and all that stuff. And so I could see a very similar dynamic between John Gruden and Aaron Rodgers. Whoa, 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 whoa. But I mean... Absolutely. But Brady was with New England from the beginning. You're getting Aaron Rodgers coming into a team where he's never been before. I mean, the, the comparison would be... Not about Brady and Belichick. It'd be about Brady and Arians. So he leaves New England after 20 years. He comes in. There's a veteran coach, Bruce Arians, who's had some success over the years, and they obviously worked it out all the way to a Super Bowl. Well, and now, do you look at John example. Gruden as a Bruce Arians type, or is Gruden's ego next level, where it's his way or the highway? No, no, no. I, again, the greater good needs to be served. Gruden, Gruden 
I mean, whatever you can or will or want to say about him as a person or as a coach, the the greater good must be served. And I think he understands that. I think Aaron Rodgers understands that. I look I, again. We're speculating that the Green Bay Packers would even trade Aaron Rodgers to begin with. Do you think that's ever going to happen? I don't. I don't. I I see it this way. I give you three scenarios right now. Give me the like. Give me a percentage of these scenarios. A. Aaron Rodgers stays and plays with the Packers in 2021. B. That he's traded. Or C. That he retires. I don't think sit, or sits out the season. I don't think they're going to trade him. Um, I would say it's fifty fifty that he, you know, either A plays this season, this upcoming season with the Packers, or B retires or holds out. Because he's a principled person. And and it depends. I mean, if he has demands on the Green Bay Packers, you know, if the sourced story is accurate, that he wants this GM fired, I have a feeling that the Packers would be willing, more willing to do that than to miss out on what 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 years of potential are left in Aaron Rodgers' arm. Mm-hmm. And you know, look, he is an unbelievable, cap- unbelievably capable quarterback. Still, we saw that last year. And then on top of it, we have this outstanding season by a forty-two-year-old quarterback in Tom Brady. You know, so we're we're seeing paradigms shift in front of our eyes, and it is impossible to ignore. So if I'm Green Bay brass, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to just sort of calm the situation down. But he's being sturdy on his principles. We'll fire a general manager if that's what he's asking before we miss out on the the waning years of his potential as an elite quarterback. So I see it that way. I don't see them trading him. I see him sooner retiring uh, than than going back on his own principles. But I definitely see the Green Bay Packers acquiescing to his demands. They're just trying to delay the time and and buy time and see if he'll you know quote unquote come to his senses but i don't think that's going to be the case the nfl is a very smart operation very smart operation and that question i asked of you about the future of aaron Rodgers, it's apparent that the nfl already knows the answer or maybe they think they do how do we know this you'll find out coming up next I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Steve Harbin and Rich Ornberger. Yeah, Iowa Sam came up with the right call. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> Here's a spicy rich. A little spice. A little spice to that, Rich. There's a kick. A little bit. Spicy. A- <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're talking about the Aaron Rodgers situation and what are the most likely scenarios? Will he stay in Green Bay and play in 2021? Will he be traded? Will he retire or sit out the season if the Packers don't trade him? The NFL doesn't worry about any of this. They don't worry about rumors. They they take things as they are. I mean, there's always things that could happen, and they know how to cover their bases there as well. But they're not worried about all this other noise that's being made around the Aaron Rodgers situation. Here's what they know. The Green Bay Packers are a great draw. Packers are one of those teams in the NFL that have a wide following around the United States of America. You know, it's the small town team that if you really don't have a horse in the race, you sort of follow them. They have great history. They're obviously a good team right now. They have one of the best quarterbacks in Aaron Rodgers, which is why when the NFL schedule was released this week, it should come as no surprise that the marquee game for the NFL, which is their Sunday night game, Features the Green Bay Packers three times. Yeah, but when? Okay, so here's what you may not know about Sunday night. So you talk about flex-out games. Well, two of the three games that the Packers are on are much later in the season, like week 14, week 17, like this. So they can be flexed. They can totally be flexed. Yeah. If Aaron Rodgers is not a Packer this year, you can 100% yeah, guarantee those Green games. and if Green Bay are... is, I don't know, 7-7 seven and seven by week 14. Gone, gone. Yeah. But the flexing of the Sunday night game begins week five. First four set in stone. What you got is what you're going to get. And week three is the Packers and the 49ers. So they're banking on it, although it would be an interesting scenario. Let's say Jimmy Garoppolo has one of his many injuries early on in the year. What are the chances? And how intrigued would you be of a week three matchup between Jordan Love who you saw plenty in college, 
and Trey Lance. How would you think about that for a Sunday night broadcast? I guarantee you there'd be eyeballs on it. Look, any way you slice it, a week three nationally televised game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Green Bay Packers has my attention. Whether Aaron Rodgers is there or he's been traded or he's holding out or, you know, it's uh, Jordan Love. (laughs) I mean, yeah, virtually any way you slice it, I'm going to be interested in that game. Now, I am admittedly an NFL fan and as a former player this is the sport that I I have the most intimate knowledge of but I'm sure a lot of people would feel very similarly about this and as a broadcaster I'm uniquely aware of the position that uh, Al and Chris would be in calling a game like this Mm -hmm. and that position is basically regardless of who is strapping it up at starting quarterback for either of these squads, there's great storylines all over the place. And I, I think it's going to be a unique opportunity if uh, there is still some issues going on with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, whether he's holding out at that point or he's playing but he's disgruntled or what have you. Um, or if the Green Bay Packers are reeling after a, a, a late offseason trade or whatever, whatever the circumstances, I think it was smart by the schedule makers to get a primetime game early in the season with the Packers because there are going to be very, very interesting storylines afoot. Now, I th- also think it was very intelligent of them to give them less than the premium five primetime games. Right. There are ten, nine or ten teams that have five primetime games. The Packers obviously only have three, which is less than you'd think. But the Sunday night game is by far their biggest game. It's less than you'd think, though, because— not Numbers-wise, it's not. Because Aaron Rodgers, coming off an MVP season, a team that was in the NFC Championship game, and who, in my opinion— no, basically, if, if Aaron Rodgers is there, there's no argument about them being no, worthy no. of Sunday night football. My point is, there would be, and 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 we're talking about their primetime appointments. They only have three, or they have five. I'm pretty sure they only have those three. Yeah. So they have no Thursday or Monday night games. I'd have to look it up. I'd have to look it up. I don't know. All I know is the marquee game is not Thursday night. It's not Monday night. It's Sunday. Oh, there's night. no question about By that. By the way, speaking of the Sunday night game here, Drew Brees. As you know, hired by NBC. If you don't know Breeze's role, he's going to be an analyst for the Sunday night game. Not during the game, but he'll be like a pregame analyst. Yep. yep. He'll um, be on the panel, so to speak. And you know what else he's going to be doing? He's going to be the analyst for Notre Dame football. Oh, that's cool. Now, he's a Purdue guy, Midwest guy, you know, everything else. So that's a little uncomfortable because it's quite a rivalry between Purdue and Notre Dame. It's like for years they had Pat Hayden, who's a USC quarterback, doing Notre Dame football. It's like, really? If you're a Notre Dame fan, now you got a Purdue guy doing Notre Dame football? (laughs) Hello? Not a good idea. A Boilermaker? What? In our booth? Mm. By the way, just another quick note about the NFL scheduling. When I looked at the week one schedule, one game I just completely circled. It's one of those games that you would say, why would I ever watch this game? And yet, it might be as intriguing as any game week one. The Jets on the road against the Carolina Panthers and Sam Darnold. Hmm. That is a game that if it's any week other than week one, you don't care. Yeah. But when you got week one, 
Carolina with Sam Darnold, the former Jets quarterback, going against his former team. So what I call about the genius of the NFL, Rich. Oh, by the way, the Packers do have five primetime games. I was going to say. Three of them are Sunday night. All right. Um, possibly without Aaron Rodgers. We'll see how that all plays out. All right. We got much more going on on a busy Sunday. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All right, it has been a big Sunday, certainly a big Sunday in the NBA, the announcement of a new Hall of Fame class and a lot of games to be played today to determine which teams will be in the playoffs, which teams will be in the play-in tournament, which teams will end their season. All of that will be decided by day's end. All right, I want to get back to some uh, NFL news right now. John Palmarosi, by the way, will join us at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk some Major League Baseball with JP. Uh, Getting back to the NFL, one of the other stories, and you could call it ridiculous. In fact, most people are calling it ridiculous, although it's not actually a finalized story yet, and that is the signing of Tim Tebow by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And there's so many different layers to this, and I've heard so many different spins. Okay, first of all, to update you, Urban Meyer has made it clear we have not signed Tim Tebow. Right. We haven't signed him yet. And he seems to be passing the buck to his staff to determine whether or not it's worth the opportunity to sign Tim Tebow as a tight end project, which is exactly what he beat. A project. So that is not official yet. But I want to start with this with you, Rich, on what you believe is the motivation of Tim Tebow to do this. There are people that say that this motivated by this relentless ego that I have to have attention on me at all times, that I just can't be out of the spotlight. But I've heard it countered by people saying, wait a second. If he wanted to be in the spotlight, why would he sign up for minor league baseball with the Mets? How is that putting you in the spotlight? Or being some kind of guy that wants to, you know, walk on to Jacksonville as a tight end. How's that putting him in the spotlight? If anything, if he wanted to be in the spotlight, considering who he is, he is, he could have been the bachelor. He could be, there's a lot of different ways to cash in on your name, which Tim Tebow, obviously he has a name a very well-recognized name than languishing in the minor leagues for five years with the New York Mets organization or trying to jump on as a 33-year-old backup tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I want to start right there. What do you think is the motivation for Tim Tebow to continue to pursue his athletic career? Well, I think it's probably twofold. I think first and foremost – the guy is a great athlete. I don't necessarily think he's a great professional athlete, but he's a great athlete. He was an outstanding college player. I mean, outstanding at Florida. One of the all-time greats. Oh, come on. But as a professional, so far in both the NFL and Major League Baseball, he kind of stunk. I mean, he wasn't a very minor league baseball. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't a talented quarterback, but he won a lot of games with the Denver Broncos as a starting quarterback. And so he was given an opportunity. And by and large, look, I mean, you could say whatever you want about Tim Tebow as a college football player. It didn't work at the NFL level. 
Then he goes to minor league baseball where he was like a 200 average hitter playing double A ball, I think was the highest level he got to. And uh, that's not going to cut it. You know, that's not going to pass muster at the professional level. So he never elevated. So why is he still out there? I think, I think, like I said, I think it's an athletic endeavor. I think it's a pursuit of continuing his athletic career going. And I don't, I don't really have anything to say about that. If you are capable of getting opportunities to play professional sports, I can tell you from a guy who's done it, and I had a six-year NFL career, if I could still do it, I'd want to. Okay, It's and a I, lot of fun. I, I would agree. I, I think that when I think about what is motivating Tim Tebow, and again, I don't think this is about ego. I just think it's his competitiveness. Sure. You're an athlete. You want to compete. You want to put yourself in a position of competition. And even if the odds are against you, all the better. You know, when Tim Tebow was at Florida after his freshman year, they had won a national championship. Remember, Chris Leak was the starting quarterback. And people really didn't know what to make of Tim Tebow. He would come in the Wildcat and they would direct snap, and he'd just run, just run over people. He was as big as linebackers, and so he'd just run over people, and you're like, well, how's this going to translate to being actually a starting quarterback? And people forget this about his passing numbers. Do you know that in his four years at Florida, he completed 66% of his passes? Oh, yeah, I remember. I've his looked back. senior year, he led the nation in passing efficiency. Yep. But he went from that to a guy that couldn't throw the ball straight in Denver. Here's the other thing. <clears throat> you know, in 2011 – and I've told you this, Rich, when he was the Denver Broncos quarterback and they rattled off those six straight wins, that six-week span is unlike anything I've ever done in radio, doing the national show here at Fox, and we would walk in the door and the lines are jammed with Tebow calls. Oh, yeah. Before we ever walked in. He, is he a- was so polarizing. There were people that are just like, and you remember – it was. It, it wasn't just the fact they were winning games. It was how they. There were ugly wins, and Tebow would find a way. And he's doing the pose. Yeah. Tebowing was all over the place. It was on SNL. It was. It was everywhere. I have never covered a story. You talk about insanity. You know that. Yeah. Nothing like Tebow because it was the NFL. It was Tim Tebow. He was a polarizing figure. Tebow mania. And that six week span is unth- like. Anything I've ever covered as far as an individual athlete, never before, never since. But I think when you talk about Tebow, what are his motivations? What are his intentions? I do think Tebow sort of lives a little bit in his own world. And all he looks at is, I want an opportunity. And well, he, has okay. a, he has a possible vehicle. Again, Urban Meyer hasn't committed to it. So, yeah, I, I don't think that this is about, hey, I, I got to keep my name in the news or anything like that. Well, well, it's well a, it, to me, it's about a competitor that still wants to test himself athletically to see eh. if he can get it done. Look, the reason why I said it's twofold, and I do agree with you, some of it is out of uh, the pursuit of competition and the fact that he's a great athlete and he wants to try his lot, not only at the sport that he grew up, or I shouldn't say grew up in, but became famous playing, which is football. Uh, but tried his light of baseball. But there's another side of this. Tim Tebow, I mean, he's my age, 34. I'm 35. I think he's a year younger than me, 34. He'll be 34 in August. Yeah, there you go. The guy um, already has a, a biography or autobiography that he uh, that he is selling. You know what I mean? And, right. and he wrote that, by the way, years ago. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't somebody who isn't unaware that he is a revered figure. This mm-hmm. isn't somebody who's unaware that his fame has opened up doors for him. Obviously, there, ESPN, for example, there there are brands that have attached themselves to Tim Tebow's image because he's so famous. And it's smart. It's smart of them. That's the reason why he was able to sign with a minor league baseball team and in the Mets organization. Because it was smart. Because now because of his fame, you're bringing a whole new dimension of fan into your game. So it is him using his fame for these opportunities and then these media outlets and professional teams using his fame to also get their brand out there. So there's this there's this symbiotic relationship occurring. And there is no question that he's capitalizing on this. Before he played, this is true because I remember going to Tim Tebow's website and looking at it with my own eyes. Before he played a single single minor league baseball game, he was sell- selling signed baseballs mm-hmm. and bats on his website, and they weren't cheap. They were like seventy-five bucks for a ball. They were like a hundred fifty bucks was it for, for a bat. charity, or what was the motivation of the money? Well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it was a foundation. Here's one of the things but they're the talking. Point, but, yeah. but the point is, yeah, the guy. The, there is no question that there is a capitalistic. Uh, standpoint that is be also being wrung out here. It's not just about remaining a, an athlete. By the way, uh, there's also an interesting dynamic. You mentioned about the markability of Tim Tebow. Gardner Minshew, who's obviously his days are numbered as the Jacksonville quarterback with the arrival of Trevor Lawrence, wears number 15. And the reason he wears number 15, he idolized Tim Tebow. He's made this clear. That was his idol, Gardner Minshew. So a lot of people are thinking – that they're waiting to release Gardner Minshew, thus releasing the number 15 to then give to Tim Tebow, which is his number, for marketing purposes for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It'll be a smart decision. A Tebow 15 promotion. Even if you just ride it through training camp. Think about how many Gainesville fans would be lining up at the pro shop to buy that jersey. Gainesville Look, is a one-hour drive. I know I've done it from Jacksonville. Here, Here's here's my my issue with all of this. I have no issue with Tim Tebow. Does that make sense from, about the Minshew Tebow marketing, it, I look, Tebow I, 15? They'd probably work it out mm-hmm. even if they didn't have to cut Minshew. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Even if they didn't need the roster spot. I'm sure they could figure it out, but but my point is this: from a capitalistic standpoint, I don't I don't hate on Tebow. From an athlete standpoint, and wanting to continue playing professional sports, I don't hate on Tim Tebow. I think the the problem here is for Urban Meyer. I think Urban Meyer has now walked into controversial hirings twice, and this one, like you said, is not confirmed, and that's no. true. They have not yet signed Tim Tebow, but he attempted to hire a strength coach who was embattled at the time and being accused of of being a, a racist during his time in college athletics. And so that was quickly taken care of. And now he's signing Tim Tebow, who, by the way, is going to take a spot from an actual tight end. I mean, unless – or, you know, maybe they'll go lighter on safeties so they can have Tim Tebow in the tight end room. Or maybe they'll <laughs> they'll sign one less offensive lineman to sign Tim Tebow. But my point is, even with roster expansion, even with 90-plus players on your roster, if Tim Tebow is on your roster as a 30 – going to be 34-year-old man, 
um, trying to play a brand new position. If it isn't for marketing, you're going to have a very hard time convincing people otherwise. And then secondarily, you are without question limiting your ability to find somebody who may actually help your football team. All right. So and you're trading it in for the marketing. All this talk about Tim Tebow signing an NFL deal has suddenly brought an equally big name back in the conversation about playing in the NFL. We'll tell you who that is coming up next. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Steve Arbin, Rich Hornberger. All right, switching gears for a moment because we got a very early delight, a little earlier than normal. This is nice. We'll get to that other person that's making some noise from all the Tim Tebow rumors down in Jacksonville, but joining us right now, he does it all. Fox Sports Radio's MLB insider. He works with the MLB Network. He works with the NHL Network. He has a strong allegiance, the strongest allegiance to the state of Michigan. Everything Michigan, right there. Yeah. We're talking about the one, the only, John Paul Morosi. JP, how are you today? Outstanding, my friends. Uh, great to be with you, as always. Uh, I visited Comerica Park. 
earlier today in, in my home state of Michigan, the beautiful city of Detroit. So uh, I've got a lot of optimism there and just great to see you guys as always on a Sunday afternoon. Thanks for the time. I, uh, I appreciate it very much. Always appreciate your time. All right. This story broke yesterday and I got to get your take on it because I'm, I'm sitting here in an L.A. TV station and I'm doing a report that Albert Pujols is going to be signed by the Dodgers. And I'm like, OK, Why? I mean, what exactly would the Dodgers do with a guy who is essentially now a full-time DH in a league that doesn't have a DH? What do you think the Dodgers' motivation is to sign Albert Pujols? That's a great question, a very fair question. I think that the foremost reason is they have not hit left-handers very well at all this season. And Albert can still, on his best day, do that. And the way that you work him into the lineup, again, to your point, he has to be able to play at least a passable first base. And the Dodgers at this point, it's a minor league deal. There is zero risk. If he shows up and he can hit against lefties and play a respectable first base two days a week, then he's a good player for your roster. He has a reserve bat because what you can do is on those days you can shift Muncie to second base and likely sit Gavin Lux. You need, at this point, especially with the Corey Seager injury yesterday, you need all the bats you can find. And the Dodgers, Steve, to me, I know their lineup in some ways hasn't necessarily performed up to expectations this year. Let's remember, Cody Bellinger's been out. Mookie Betts was playing hurt for a while. He's been better lately. And they still have the best run differential in the National League at plus 50 entering today. So it's not as though this team is struggling they're just they're just not quite playing at their normal level albert at his best can help them also notably steve one of albert's best friends in the world is placido polanco who's now a dodgers executive they were teammates back in st louis two decades ago so there are some comfort levels there for albert with the organization and of course he gets to stay in southern california where he's been living for a long time with with the angels and as you both know Southern California is a beautiful place to be. So I, I think that for a lot of reasons, it's a good fit from Albert's standpoint. And the Dodgers now have to see, can he hit against lefties? That is the operative question. I'm looking at Major League Baseball two days ago, released the latest COVID testing and vaccination update. I actually wasn't aware that they were releasing this information on a weekly basis, but apparently they are. As of this past week, over 10,500 tests were conducted. They had... Ten new positive tests. There were seven staffers, three players this past week. Total monitoring and tests to date, over 150,000. So they're still keeping up with all these protocols they put in place really before they played out the 2020 season. But there's been a rash of recent outbreaks, the Yankees, the Padres. Do do we think that COVID-19, because we're about a quarter of the way through this Major League Baseball season, do we think COVID-19 is going to be as big of a story this year or maybe potentially bigger than it was in last year's 60-game season? It's a fair question, Rich. I think the answer is that it is not going to be as much of a story in 2021 as it was in 2020. We've already seen, of course, in the last week with the change of the guides from the CDC, um, this is a rapidly changing situation. And I think on some levels, fortunately, it is changing for the better in terms of what uh, Americans are able to do with uh, with the vaccine and, and as higher percentages of the vaccine get out there, what community spread will look like. 
I think one thing that we're noticing, Rich, I would say this, that while there is some concern with the Yankee situation, when there are cases within a team that is largely vaccinated, if not, if not entirely vaccinated, but at least when it's largely vaccinated, that the cases seem to be, A, milder, and B, because of the vaccine, not as numerous within that population of players. And so you're not seeing, uh, while the Yankee situation is concerning, you're not seeing the team shut down for 10 days which is where we were last year with this situation. So I think that you're seeing the prescription becomes different because the overall vaccination rates are better. And and I do think, guys, that we'll, we'll look at a second half that may well look a little different than the first in terms of what the protocols look like, but it's a, it's a very fluid, very changing situation. I do think that it's remarkable. We've talked a lot about the 4th of July as being a – a real benchmark day for our country in this particular <laughs> pandemic as we're hopefully moving through it. And, and I do think right after the 4th of July is the All-Star Game in Denver. And, and let's hope that the All-Star Game, when we're, when we're there, when we're looking at the crowd, when we're looking at the players, let's hope that we're seeing um, a, an All-Star celebration look, that looks a little bit more like 2019 All-Star Game um, than it would have been a, a 2020 regular season game with no fans. The Taurus situation with the Yankees really is next level. I mean, if you're one that has gotten vaccinated, you're looking at Labor Taurus saying, what's that? He had COVID. Now, it was told for a lot of people that had COVID, you don't necessarily have to get vaccinated. But he did get vaccinated. So he had COVID. And he got fully vaccinated, and he got it again. Hmm. I mean, I mean, I, as something's going on here, right? And by the way, all these people that got vaccinated apparently had the Johnson vaccine, which they said was about seventy-two percent affected, as opposed to the others that were like ninety-five percent effective. But I mean, isn't this sort of? I mean, I heard the Johnson spin on what was happening with the Yankees. Well, you know, they're asymptomatic. Well, the the majority of people that got COVID were asymptomatic. So is this is this throwing because baseball gets that spotlight, and a lot of people are saying, "Wait a second, how's this possible that this player had COVID and got vaccinated, and he got COVID again?" Well, to me, Steve, as you point out, the the, the seventy seventy two percent of effectiveness percentage of the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, um, obviously there's 28% or more that for whom it is not completely effective. And, and with respect to, um, previously having COVID everything that we've been hurt, been told from, uh, from the CDC and other, other experts is that your immunity is not necessarily a hundred percent and lifelong. I mean, obviously there's, there's a fair amount of, of, of bad luck here. There's no question about that for Glaber. But I also think it's illustrative of what I would tell you my wife shares with me as a, as a, as a physician who has taken care of COVID patients for the last year. Um, she basically says the vaccine is, is out there, obviously, and it's wonderful. But we obviously also have children who are not yet vaccinated. And she continues to say we have to maintain the precautions. That's, that's, what I, that's all I can tell you that I hear from my own wife. And uh, so I've experienced this in a couple of different ways. Obviously, one is as a journalist who has been traveling to games since last year and, and out there and, and traveling and being in hotels since 
last summer when obviously it was a little different world than it is now. Uh, and so I'm, I'm understanding the precautions that you have to take when you're out there. And I also hear what my wife tells me to do when I'm on the road. And so I just, I do what I've always done in life, which is I listen to my wife. And so I, I think that on, <laughs> on that level of things, uh, guys, I, I would tell you that, uh, and again, I, I can't, you know, the, the actual medical expert in the family is not me. It's my wife, but I think she would tell us and she would tell anybody that ever asks her, like, yeah, it's a better circumstance now than it was a year ago. 100%, that's clear. But but this is also not uh, – we're also not all doing the touchdown dance and doing cartwheels in the end zone here because we're not we're not done with this yet. And so, as a consequence, you got to be careful when you can be. And, and uh, I think that the Yankees' situation explains to us that we're not totally in the clear here. Not, not the New York Yankees, not anybody else. Yeah, this is a fluid situation. There's no question about it, and there's a lot still unknown. We've only been living with this novel virus for a little over a year now, so a lot to learn still. You know, more specifically about baseball and the changes being made, especially among managers and front offices, we see a rash of hirings of younger managers, and that's followed by you know, some of these, you know, old dogs getting reintroduced to major league ranks. I, I, I mean, it, it does seem overall like more teams are skewing their manager hires younger. And it feels like because they want more control over the position, more con- control over the decision making at the field level. Are we getting closer to seeing that being the case where really managers are by name only and a lot of these decisions are completely group think or are there aren't any teams or any managers left out there truly making decisions from the dugout? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think that Rich, we're seeing a, a, a change for sure in the last 20 years. If you go back and, and if you're going to say, okay, the average manager now does he have more or less authority than he did 20 years ago? The answer is less. I think that's, that's clear. I also think that uh, when you see the White Sox hiring Tony La Russa, that was a very interesting data point. Uh, and, and by the way, where are they right now in the American League? They have, I think, the second-best record. Um, you know, and, and I think that, for me, I look at it and I, and I realize there, there has to be a combination of, of the analytics and and the baseball knowledge. And you're seeing different teams have those translators, if you will, on the coaching staff. And by translators, I mean, uh, yes, of course, we have linguistic translators, but also translators who can take the data and then can sit with the pitching coach, or in some cases they are the pitching coach, and say, listen, we look at the data. It says we'd love for you to use this pitch more often. It's more effective. You know, let's, let's talk about ways for you to have the confidence to throw this pitch in this count because the data says when you do it, you have success. And, and I think that like, that's a small microcosm of a lot of conversations that are happening in the game today. There's, there's a lot of, um, I, I think, robust debate about stats versus scouts, if you will, analytics versus old school. Well, I, I think there's, there's room for both of it. I, I really believe there are both schools of thought are, are essential, Rich, the way the game is managed. And, and I think lineup suggestions are certainly made from the front office. But I also think that we realized in the World Series last year the, the Blake Snell decision by, by Kevin Cash, and I understand why he made the decision, but I think it was also a very useful point to say, listen, you have to be able to adapt to what you observe in the middle of the game and change the plan accordingly. And if, and if you see the White Sox win the World Series with someone who is already in the Hall of Fame, who has not managed the game in 10 years as the manager of that team, 
I would think, and I would hope, actually, that we're going to see front offices maybe give their managers a little more authority going forward. All right, uh, final word here. Speaking of managers, and I know Red Sox fans are going to kill me for even mentioning this, because the last time we talked specifically about a team that at the time had the best record in baseball was the Kansas City Royals, and then they promptly lost nine games in a row. So we destroyed the Royals' season right after that. Now the Red Sox have the best record in baseball. Alex Cora returning after being suspended a year. Red Sox could have fired him. They didn't. He sat out the suspension year. Now he's back. And Martinez, Bogarts are just having huge monster seasons. How much of a factor has the return of Alex Cora been for a team that a lot of people dismissed before the season even began as a team whose best days are behind them? How responsible do you feel Cora is for the resurgence of this Red Sox team? Well, it's a great question. I think he is heavily, uh, he's one of the main reasons why they are where they are right now. And I just, as you're asking the question, I'm thinking to myself, if I had a manager of the year ballot right now, am I voting for Alex Cora? Or am I voting for Tony La Russa as the manager of the year in the American League? I mean, t- two guys that a year ago, if you had told me a year ago <laughs> that I'd be sitting here talking to you in May about if my first place vote goes to Alex Cora or Tony La Russa, that would have been a, a wow and a no chance, right? I mean, there's no way it's going to happen. And yet here we are. Uh, I think Alex is a unique communicator and motivator. I've known Alex for a long time. He's got a great personality. He, I think uh, he realizes the mistakes that were made in Houston. He has admitted to them. And I think he has returned to the job and the organization with a renewed sense of appreciation and drive. And and when Alex is motivated like this, he's a pretty special baseball person. I mean, he knows the game so well. And I think he's been able always, he's had a really good rapport with Devers, a really good rapport with Xander. And I think he's he he knows how to get the best out of them. I think with Bogart, and I'll make this point quickly, I think that there was so much talk this past off season about some of the bright shortstops in the game. Tatis, Lindor, the guys that are coming up on free agency, Seager, Story, Correa, Baez, all these guys that we've been talking about a lot. And I think he knew exactly how to pull Xander aside in spring training and say, listen, look at all this conversation about all these other shortstops. They forgot about you, man. They have forgotten about you. And I think he knows exactly how to push Xander's buttons to get the best version of Xander. And I think J.D. Martinez is back to being himself. Uh, you look at the rotation, Nick Pavetta's been a revelation. I, I think Alex uh, had the right attitude coming in. And like I said, I'm sitting here contemplating, would it be Alex or would it be Larusa? I might go with Alex in my top spot. And by the way, I don't think he was suspended. He served his punishment. I do not believe that the baseball writers should in any way hold that suspension against Alex when it comes to voting for manager of the year this year, because this is all about who does the best managerial job in 2021, full stop. All right, so if the Red Sox now lose nine in a row, you can officially blame us, okay? So there will be a pattern there if we're talking about a team with the current best record (laughs) in baseball. As always, JP, you're the best of the best. You have no peer. Let's put it that way. Wow. And uh, we always appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join us every Sunday. Thanks, John. 
You guys are far too kind, and look forward to catching up. When we catch up next time, I'll tell you about my trip to the Field of Dreams last week. Ooh, Incredible place. Want to hear about, about it. that next time? All right. All right. Next Can't time wait. we'll definitely have a date on that. That's uh, John Paul Morosi there. By the way, enjoy spa like comfort and save big on your water bill with a Navian tankless water heater. Go tankless with Navian. You can save hundreds on a new Navian tankless water heater with local rebates. Visit Tankless Made Simple. Uh, All right, we're going to get back to our previous subject matter. The one guy who really holds a lot of promise in a return to the NFL based on what Tim Tebow is doing. But right now, let's find out what's trending as we welcome back the one, the only Ralph Irvin. Stuff is happening, fellas. Oh, yeah. Stuff has already happened. It's uh was an exciting conclusion of the three games this morning, early afternoon in the East. But uh, we start in New York, where the Knicks hold on for a 96-92 win over the Boston Celtics. R.J. Barrett, 22 points. Julius Randle, 20. What does it mean? The Knicks clinch the number four seed Mm. in the Eastern Conference. They will have home court advantage in their first-round series against the Atlanta Hawks. So it's all locked up now. Mm. You have Philadelphia. You have the uh, Brooklyn Nets. You have Milwaukee. You have the Knicks. Atlanta at number five. Number six is the Miami Heat. Then we get into the (laughs) play-in games. Good luck. Boston is already set at number seven. Yes. So let's tell you what happened because first, Indiana 125-113 win over Toronto. O'Shea Brissett led the way, 31 points, 10 rebounds. The Pacers then had to wait a few minutes to see what happened in D.C., where Washington came back to beat Charlotte 115-110. Russell Westbrook, another triple-double, 23 points, 15 rebounds, 10 assists. Uh, By the way, if you think he's stat-stuffing, his teams win 75% of the time. He is a triple-double. It's not stat-stuffing. Bradley Beal, 20 points in the second half. He finished with 25, and Washington clinches the eighth seed in the East. That means they will take on Boston in the play-in game. By the way, Washington, 17-6 and six in their last 23 games. Yes, uh, with They've Russell been... Westbrook. So does that mean uh, Indiana-Charlotte or the 9-10? That is correct. And mm-hmm. Indiana, with the win today, is the nine seed. So Charlotte will go to Indiana. Hornets have lost five straight going into that play-in game mm, there. Right. So East is set. The East is now set. Next up will be Golden State and Memphis. They're about to tip it off in San Francisco. The winner there will get the number eight seed mm. in the West and obviously have a chance to advance to the playoffs with just one win. So it's exciting, folks, and it continues to go on as we send it back to Steve Hartman and Rich Ornberger. All right. Thank you very much, Ralph. All right. We were talking earlier about the Tim Tebow situation and the ramifications of a potential return to the NFL by Tim Tebow. And immediately, another very prominent name is being brought up in the same conversation, and I think it's a legitimate question. So Tim Tebow is going to turn 34 in August. This guy is going to turn 34 a couple of months after that. Tim Tebow last played in an NFL game, regular season game in 2012. This guy last appeared in an NFL regular season game in 2016. Talking about Colin Kaepernick. Now, there was one national broadcaster that stated, and I think this is going way over the top, but does bring over a question. 
that if Tim Tebow gets the opportunity to sign on and resurrect his NFL career in Jacksonville, that Tim Tebow, as a player of privilege, so to speak, should speak out on behalf not only how lucky he is to be given this opportunity, but that Colin Kaepernick should be afforded the same opportunity. Now, you could say this is apples and oranges. I don't know if you can make the connection of one to the other, but I understand it. If a Tim Tebow, at the same age that Colin Kaepernick is, and he's been out of the league four years longer than Kaepernick, is given a chance to at least attempt a comeback, why can't Kaepernick get the same opportunity? Well, I I don't know if anybody else um, feels the same way I do about this, but I I look at this really from from two different sides. I can see it from the social impact side, and I can also see it from the business owning side. From the social impact side, there's no question that Colin Kaepernick, uh, in taking a stance against pro- police brutality and and more equal race relations in this country, started or reignited, really, um, you know, outcry for for better behavior from officers of the law and obviously um, better justice for people of color in this country. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, pretty soon here we're going to see history books, including this part of our social history, in them. It, this it was extraordinarily significant. And he has become an insanely polarizing figure, not just in sports, but in life as a result of that. And so from from the standpoint as a, uh, as a member of society and as somebody who does, you know, support the cause of having great equality in this country, I can completely understand the outcry to have him involved in a game, especially when he potentially could still be an impact player at the position he played when he left the sport. All right. From the other side of the coin, though, these 32 NFL owners or these groups of ownership, uh, uh, they, they have a business to run. And if you sign Colin Kaepernick, you are absolutely opening the door to a massive level of criticism from a certain contingent of, of NFL fans. There's, there's no doubting that. Because like we like I just outlined, he is a polarizing figure. And so I, I, I think that sort of answers the question. While, yeah, he, he is a significant person and a significant figure, and it would be newsworthy, I think there would be e- equivalent backlash. Whereas with Tim Tebow, don't get me wrong. There's He's a polarizing figure. Don't get me wrong. There, 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 he will polar, but it's not going to be even nearly to the extent as if you were to sign, like if the Jacksonville Jaguars and Urban Meyer announced today that mm-hmm. they're signing Colin Kaepernick right. to be Trevor Lawrence's backup, do you think that would be a bigger story than Tebow? Because I do. See, I think it would be great. I mean, seriously, imagine it. I mean, it's it's obvious that Urban Meyer is trying to get the Jaguars on the map. I, I want to get this a little bit on the other side. we got to catch up on a few things here because – Urban Meyer's arrival in Jacksonville has raised a lot of questions on whether or not he's going to be added to the long list of prominent college coaches that have failed with the NFL or whether or not there's a method to his madness. 
We'll talk about that coming up next. Steve Harbin, Rich Ornberger. By the way, with our uh, delicious subs that were brought in by Sam, we also had the largest beverages known to man. <laughs> now, this, <laughs> I ordered a small. Well, I almost need two hands to lift this drink. We all got the uh, big gulps, eh? Big, well, see ya. I mean, giant gulps. Although, watching Rich, this is amazing. You ready for what Rich just did? He has basically gulped down this big gulp, and he just went to get another cup of coffee. How much liquid can you take into your system? I'm like a camel. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I'm refilling a I'm, hump. I mean, do I, does anyone in there <laughs> drinking one of these things? Oh, yeah. And I got to have a cup of coffee with that. Anybody else? I got like halfway through mine so far. I haven't even gotten to the I second mean, cup. I mean, I haven't even gotten halfway through, but not this guy. He's got the big gulp is gone, and now he's got the cup of coffee. Moving on. Uh, yes, let's, Ralph? Well, I didn't have one of those drinks. I had, you know, my frozen favorite right. this morning, the same size. Mm-hmm. That's long since gone. Yeah. And, and, I've already, and I've already put away about 64 ounces of water. Wow. 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 Okay, well. I, so so I'm, I'm like Rich, you know. You yeah, but, he, but he, this guy is a caffeine fiend. Yeah, no, no, it's true. Yeah. He's a caffeine. That is a full-blown addiction. He's a caffeine. Yeah. All right, uh, Urban Meyer. We were just talking about, wouldn't it be interesting if they were to sign both Tim Tebow and Colin Kaepernick? <laughs> All right, so <laughs> I, 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 Urban Meyer, we were when he got hired by Jacksonville and they gave him the keys to everything. You knew the only way that he was going to take this job is if he had the same kind of power that he's always had as a prominent college football coach, which is not something NFL coaches have. When you're a Nick Saban or a Dabo Sweeney or an Urban Meyer, you answer to nobody. You run the show. You don't have to worry about any outside interference because you are bigger than anybody else in the state, much less at that school. So he has come into Jacksonville, and he has made a lot of noise already. You talked earlier about you know coaching, hiring, the strength coach that backfired on him, the controversy here. What is your gut feeling about Urban Meyer and how this is going to play out in Jacksonville? Will he follow in the long line of successful college coaches that failed in the NFL, or is he going to be that rare exception where that success that he had at the college level will translate to the NFL? Well, it's two parts. One, it really, really depends on how tra- Trevor Lawrence turns out because, as we know, success at this level is tied to how talented your quarterback is. And there is a direct relationship to the talent level of your quarterback and the success your NFL team has. There's no questioning that. But beyond Trevor Lawrence – It's also what type of communicator he is to professional athletes. These aren't your players. These are your peers. You have to wrap that around your head. Yeah, you're instructing them. You're the lead voice. You're the tone setter. But these are guys who have been doing this longer at this level than you have. So you have to approach them with deference and respect. You're not a college coach anymore. But so what if you walk in that room saying, I have no respect for you guys. You guys are losers. The reason I'm here is to make you guys winners. Well, then it's not going to work. Isn't that what Lombardi did in 1959? Times are different now, my friend. <laughs> Coaches don't That's get- what he did. He walked into a locker room that ended up having a lot of guys yeah. that eventually would be in the Hall of Fame. 
and basically said, "We're gonna be you're losers. We're gonna Loser. be winners." <laughs> yeah, loser. Good luck if that's the tone he wants to strike. <laughs> it's going to be interesting, but yeah, how about throwing Kaepernick? If you're going to sign Tebow, sign Kaepernick. You that think would be an, two for one? <laughs> that would be unbelievable. LeBron and the Lakers, are they really back? We'll tell you next. You are a loser. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Ah, yes, rolling along on this final regular season day in the NBA. And as we found out from Ralph Irvin earlier, the East is now set. The matchups in the Eastern Conference are now set for the playoffs. And yes, even in the play-in tournament. But we still got a lot of work to be done as far as the Western Conference is concerned. So, again, we're going to have – I better I better be right about this. So, it's going to be the Celtics are the seven seed. They're taking on the eight seed, the Washington Wizards. And then the Indiana Pacers are the nine seed, taking on the ten seed, the Charlotte Hornets. So, that is the play-in tournament for the Eastern Conference – the top six seeds are the Sixers, Nets, Bucks, Knicks, Hawks, and the Heat. All right, so for the Western Conference, there is a ton to be decided. By the way, can, uh, can I get Ralph back in here? Because there is one thing I'm not clear on. Is Ralph available? Ralph, I want to get you back in here. We were talking earlier about this game between the Nuggets and the Blazers. If the Nuggets win... They will be the three seed, even if they tie the Clippers, because they have the tie break against the Clippers. So a Nuggets victory gets them the three seed. If the Nuggets beat Portland and the Lakers beat the Pelicans today, that also means the Lakers would be the sixth seed. So Denver, by winning, would assure themselves a first-round matchup, essentially against the Lakers. If they lose the game to Portland, then they would be the four seed and play the Dallas Mavericks. So it would be on paper, it seemed good for them to lose the game rather than win the game. But you were talking about a scenario with Portland. Now, Portland wins, they clinch the sixth seed. If they lose and the Lakers win, suddenly the Portland Trailblazers are in the play-in tournament. But you you talked about a scenario where Portland has the much to lose in winning this game as Denver potentially has. Explain that. I'm not hearing. I'm not hearing Ralph. There he is. They're, okay. Uh, the, the Portland has. They're they're kind of you know in a catch twenty two, because if they lose and the Lakers presumably win, then they've got to go to the play in scenario. Which I mean, let's be honest, it's a wild card. It's it's a crapshoot. Right. You just don't know what's going to happen. You have two bad games and you're you're out. So that's what happens if they lose. If they win, then that will also clinch the number three seed for the Clippers. Yes. More than likely. And how's Portland against the Clippers? Yeah, it's probably their worst matchup in the West. I mean, by by their own Portland media analytic analytical standards, that's the team that they want to face the least. All right. So the Nuggets don't want to play the Lakers, <laughs> but Portland doesn't want to play the Clippers. Correct. Right. And so you literally have two teams. They don't want to win tonight. <laughs> like it's a best case scenario for both Denver and Portland. But 
They lose. Now, Portland, again, would Port- drop into the play and, in and that's, tournament. And that's ultimately when you look at who has positive motivation. Yeah. That's the only positive motivation going on in this matchup is ultimately would you rather play the Clippers than, than, than well, go to that play-in game? And we don't know yet who's going to be the 8th seed because Golden State plays Memphis head-to-head. They're tied. The winner of that team will be the 8th seed. The loser will be the ninth seed. Correct. Uh, and that'll be determined still. So, like we said, we have a lot of different scenarios. Ralph, thanks so much for yes. that. So, um, you know, controlling who you play in the playoffs as the motivation of the game is a strange dynamic, especially in that Denver-Portland game. I want to get back to the Lakers. So, last night, the Lakers were at full strength for the first time in forever. To put you an idea, since they made the trade to get Andre Drummond, since they got yep. Andre Drummond, yep, this was only the second game that Andre Drummond has played with both LeBron and AD. This is only the second time that front line of the Lakers was together. But when you look at the Lakers with a front line of LeBron, AD, and Drummond, with the backcourt of Schroeder and KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and a full arsenal off the bench, that's what we had last night for the first time ever (laughs) since they acquired Drummond. And you watch that team. It was not a hundred percent. I guess not a very good Pacers team last night. But still, you see the potential that if these guys can stay healthy, this is still a team, if not the team to beat in the upcoming playoffs. So, look, 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 can look. they turn this thing on yes. immediately? Yes. Now that the playoffs have begun, assuming health, the Lakers are the best team in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand Vegas feels differently about this because Brooklyn looks to be a better super team, but the Nets don't have something, or I should say, a very important piece to their team that the Lakers have, and that's LeBron James. I mean, inarguably the most uh, credentialed postseason player in the NBA right now. He has led multiple teams to NBA championships and many finals other than that. I I just I just don't see if if and this is a big if because I know both Anthony and Davis uh and LeBron James has spent a lot of time on the bench instead of on the hardwood this season due to injury. If they're healthy, the Lakers are the team in the field that I think everybody fears playing because of LeBron James and his veteran experience mm-hmm. in the postseason. I there, there's and there's no other way in my mind to parse it out, unless LeBron James isn't one hundred percent or Anthony Davis because you need both of them. Yes, you're 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 in for an you're in for an uphill climb to win in the postseason when he's a part of the field. And when you watch at Schroeder, who has been very valuable to this Laker team, their third best player. Yep. And to see him back in the mix with AD and LeBron last night. And again, all these guys have been out. Yep. And suddenly they're back on the court and looking very good. So I am with you. I'm with you. Meanwhile, you mentioned the Brooklyn Nets, who right now are the Vegas favorites to win the NBA championship. And then you have the comments by Kyrie Irving, who marches to his own beat and always has. So Kyrie was asked about you know, helping the state of the Nets right now and mindset as they go in the playoffs. And this is what he told the media. He goes, I'm not going to lie to you guys. A lot of stuff is going on in this world, and basketball is not just not the most important thing to me right now. 
It's a lot of things gone overseas. All of our people still in bondage around the world. A lot of dehumanization going on. So he started a little bit talking about Israel and the the Palestinian situation because it really is more than that. Oh yeah, it's the whole world. Yeah. And if you're the Nets right now, and your star All Star point guard says, you know, to be talking basketball right now really is not significant to me. And uh, I mean, when you're trying to tackle all the world's problems, that's that's a heavy load for anyone. Apparently, Kyrie wants to do that right now, and I I, I find that's great. Except if I'm the Nets, I'm I'm sort of paying for you to focus on some basketball right now. We've spent a lot of money to bring in Harden and Durant and you to bring us a championship here, and we sort of need your undivided attention at least for the next couple of months. Uh, would that be a concern at all, or do you just sort of roll with? everything that comes out of Kyrie Irving's mouth. Well, here's here's the thing. I mean, yes, this was a, a heavily publicized and very violent military conflict in the Middle East. and Still ongoing. It's, uh, yeah, absolutely true. And it's sad that these things happen in concert with um, our everyday lives, right? You know, we, we get a lot of things that other countries don't. We have a lot of freedoms and liberties that a lot of countries don't get. Um, and that stuff is, it's ever present, you know, look, look to many third world countries. And there are situations like this, even if they're not as well publicized happening at all points on the clock. And so, yeah, when you wrap your head around it or when it's of specific interest because it's being better publicized or because there's an incident like there has been an ongoing incident uh, between Palestine and Israel, um, yeah, it can take center stage and maybe distract you a little bit. But to a certain extent, I agree with anybody who's saying, you know, hey, Kyrie, it may be time to compartmentalize some of your feelings because we're gearing up for the postseason and we we really want your full attention on your team and we really hope um that you're ready to perform because I mean as disheartening as that may be you also have people whose livelihoods are tied to your play you also have coaches who are uh being held to um held to a a you know, complex level of of ownership and leadership and executives above them who are asking you to rally the troops, you know, during an important time of the year. Yeah, I, I can imagine inside that locker room and amongst the coaches, they are having internal conversations about how to how to handle what's happening with one of their star players. Right. And and again, I'm not hypercritical on Kyrie Irving because a lot of what he says is right. Oh, yeah. I mean, to, to, when he yeah. says, he said, he said this. So if you guys want to ask me questions about the game, I really don't care about it, except for everyone leaving the game healthy and being able to go home to their families. That's great. Which is great. Yeah. I mean, right? And then when they asked him about maintaining a personal balance between basketball and social issues, he goes, look, it's a job. I have a job. And what he's saying is, I have a job. I got to do my job. I get that. You know, and he comes from a background where he had a lot of challenges growing up and a lot of people made sacrifices to get him where he is today. So I'm not against Kyrie Irving doing this. But if you're the Brooklyn Nets and you've invested a lot of money into this season, a lot of money to to get to the top of the basketball world, 
Yeah, you, you sort of need everybody there. I mean, I this will is say one this, th- though. Yeah. I will say this, though. He played 30 minutes, scored 22 points in their last meeting uh, on the court against Chicago. Right. They won the game. I mean, you he's know. had a fabulous yeah. year, by I, the way. I, I mean, I, I, guess, I guess my point is, is is this being discussed at the highest level of this organization? Almost definitely. You know, when when you have a player who is being outspoken about social mm-hmm. circumstances, whether it be in our country or elsewhere, I, I mean, yeah, th- those things come up in meetings. But as long as Kyrie Irving is turning it on when, like he put it, he has a job to do, I, I don't really I, – I don't condemn him for, for having a life outside of basketball at all. And and speaking about it publicly, if he's de, if he's so personally affected by what's happening in the Middle <laughs> East right now that he can't concentrate on questions be, uh, being asked of him during a media session after a game, I don't really have a problem with it as long as at least when, you know, say I'm one of his teammates, while we're on the court, I feel like he's focusing on the job at hand. I, I mean, what what else do you want him to do? Do your job and then, then worry about everything else that you have to worry mm-hmm. about when you have time off the court. And I think, I think he's compartmentalizing it appropriately. You know, looking at this last game they had against the Bulls, Tells you why the Nets are a scary team. So this was a game in which James Harden scored five points in 25 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Durant was four of 17 shooting. He had 12 points in 30 minutes. You mentioned Kyrie had a pretty good game, 22 points in 30 minutes. They won this game going away. How? Well, let's see. You've got Jeff Green. How old is Jeff Green these days? Wow. Uh, He came off the bench, seven of eight shooting, 19 points. And then Bruce Brown. The infamous Bruce Brown, 16 points, 12 rebounds. Oh, by the way, Blake Griffin also was 0 for in this game. So all her stars were pretty much taking the night off. And this is a pretty deep team right now. Oh, yeah. How, how big? Well, I'll t- ask you on the other side. Potentially now that the playoffs are on us in the NBA, what is the one NBA Finals matchup that could save what has been a disappointing season for the NBA in terms of eyeballs, we'll tell you coming up next. Steve Harbin and Rich Hornberger. Got to take a little detour for a second here. This happens. So the FCS championship game is being played right now between Sam Houston and South Dakota State. Are you all over this? FCS championship. Oh, come on. Yeah. This is uh this is this is the good stuff right here. Mm-hmm. Gotta see the Jackrabbits take on the Cougars. Yes. Is that their team names, by the way? I was just kind of <laughs> making it up as I was going along. I was uh watching the broadcast team includes uh Former Heisman Trophy winner Andre Ware, University of Houston. Oh yeah, and I couldn't harken back. I have to harken back to you. I want to give you a number here because this, sure. this is sort of mind blowing. So in 1989, he wins the Heisman Trophy, first African American quarterback ever to win the Heisman Trophy, and he set all kinds of records that year. All kinds of records for passing yards, uh, touchdown, everything. I mean, just blew the record book away. It was interesting though because. They were on probation. So Houston had no games on TV. They weren't even eligible for a bowl game. So no one actually saw this guy play, but they kept seeing him pile up numbers. But in the middle of the season, they played a game against SMU. That was the SMU team coming off two years of the death penalty. Okay. So they hadn't played in three years. 
and they were just trying to get back into it. So you figure Houston's a hot team right now. We'll show a little mercy. Houston won this game by a score of 95 to 21. <laughs> and how many total yards did they have? I don't know, a thousand? A thousand and twenty one. Still a record. Wow. Yeah. I'm not shocked. A thousand yards total offense. Yeah, I'm not shocked. <laughs> to score ninety five points, yeah. I mean you're you're a thousand twenty one yep. yards. It's a lot of yards. He threw for three hundred and forty yards in one quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like it? I mean, there are some weird things, right? Where you see the, some numbers that are just so absurd. They're just like, what the heck is going on? Well, but I, that was it. Football is one of those sports. And and th- this, eh, no, nah, basketball can be this way too. But there are, there, there are only a few sports <laughs> where you can so dominate the rest of the field mm-hmm. um, where you can post numbers like this. You know, I mean, it's thousand and twenty-one yards of total offense. It's it's so rare, but it can happen. <laughs> I remember one time, I was oh, watching uh, a high school basketball game. Yeah, and I got invited to see this game, and and when, <laughs> let's put it this way, during warmups, you knew this was going to be a bloodbath. Mm-hmm. You you just you looked at one half of the court. Yes, and it was clear that there was a proficiency of basketball mm-hmm. that when you looked at the other half of the court was not available on the other <laughs> side. And this can happen again, like a sport where, you know, it really comes down to, can you hang athletically with the team you're facing? And obviously in basketball, the numbers are, you know, you got five on five and it was exactly as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it was, and I, I mean, it was, it almost looked criminal. I mean, it. it, it well, I it mean, just, you, you, and you're long going back to high school, yeah. college, and professional career. You've been on both ends of this. Oh, of course, yeah. I, in fact, I was a part of one of the worst shutouts in NFL history. I'm pretty sure it's still in the top five. Yeah. Um, I was playing for uh, the 2012 Arizona Cardinal team that went to Seattle, mm-hmm. divisional rival. We were down to our third string quarterback and we got beat something like 58 nothing. And that doesn't happen in the NFL all that often. And it, it was, I remember. I'm looking at it right here 58 there it is. to nothing. I'm pretty sure that's. I'm glad the, how you mentioned you can never forget that. That might be, that might be third all time. Uh, as far as the worst blowout uh, margin in the history of the NFL. Yeah, your starting quarterback, John Skelton, had a rough day. Oh, yeah. Four interceptions, 74 yards passing. I remember Kevin Cobb started that season as as the John starting quarterback. Skelton. John Skelton came Ryan in. Ryan Lindley came Ryan in Ryan Lindley came in oh. after that. Yeah. And it wasn't a pretty season. That certainly was the worst game we there played. There it is right there. Starting center, Rich Orenberger. Yeah, that was a bad day for me too. Because you got that powerful backfield of Beanie Wells and Anthony Sherman. That was uh, <laughs> December game, right? Or, or it late was November ninth. I tore my MCL. This is how bad this game went. <laughs> Check this out. I tore my MCL in this game, right? Right. Big defensive tackle got dumped on the side of my leg by our right guard uh, Adam Snyder. Mm-hmm. 
So I get rolled up and I'm like, ooh, that's it. That's my season. I said it to the I said it to Adam when I was getting up. I'm like, you need to help me up. I said, I just tore my MCL. <laughs> and he goes, What? And I'm like, I just heard it pop. I said, I'm done for the year, pal. Wow. <laughs> so he he helps me up and I come off the field. The backup center goes into the game. And I'm I'm back in the locker room almost immediately. A pretty quick walk uh, from the sideline to Seattle's visiting locker room. So I'm in the locker room and I'm watching the television broadcast because they went to break and then they came back. And they were replaying the practice snaps that mm-hmm. our backup center, who had just gotten signed like two weeks ago, was doing on the sidelines. And he was fumbling snaps with, this, <laughs> with, with, with Skelton. Right. They go into the game. First play from the mm-hmm. line of scrimmage is a fumbled snap. Yes. So they turn the ball over. Seattle regains possession. It was a three and out, I'm pretty sure, by the defense. And then the very next play from the from our offensive scrimmage was another fumbled snap. <laughs> I'm 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 nearly possible this is the chain of events. I'm in the the visiting locker room getting just icing down my knee mm-hmm. and hanging out with one of the trainers. And I said, Hey, I said, is there any way you can you can tape an MCL. And he was like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, is there any way you could use tape and sort of almost like make like my knee feel stable? And he was like, I don't know. I, I've never done that before. And <laughs> it was a lot like, of tape. I'm like, because if I don't get back out there, I said, one of our quarterbacks is going to get killed today. So the the trainer, he, his nickname was Machine, had this big chaw in his mm-hmm. mouth. He he looks at my knee, spits really hard, thinks for a second, and then starts taping feverishly. I ended up going back in the game and finishing the game. And I remember in the fourth quarter, Hall of Famer Russ Grimm is my offensive line coach on the sideline. And I come off the field after another completely inept offensive series by by our team. <laughs> and he goes, hey, burger, man. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, you're done for the day. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Yeah, and he he goes, what are, what are you trying to prove out there? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know, coach. We were getting beat at that point, forty nine nothing. Let me ask you this: uh, You started your career with Tom Brady. You ended your career with Philip Rivers. Yeah. Was there a significant drop off with John Skelton? Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> from a standpoint, I mean, from a, you, from when a, you look back on your career, <laughs> can you really tell the difference between a Tom Brady, a Philip Rivers, and John Skelton? I mean, you know, I from an effort standpoint, he might be listening right now. From an effort standpoint, he put forth a, a hell of an effort. <laughs> hell of an effort. There you, go. <laughs> you know, I mean, so no, I could, there was no there was Brady, no skeleton, no noticeable rivers. difference. Yeah. in effort. <laughs> okay. On the other side, we will answer the question we asked earlier before our detour. What is the one NBA Finals matchup that would actually matter? But first. What's trending right now? Ralph Irvin has re-entered the scene. How's your day been, Ralphie? It's been fun. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of NBA going on, and it, and it all has some meaning to it. Well, the East is set. we got a long way to go with the West. Oh, yeah. The East is set, but there is definitely a long way to go. One step forward, if you will, is Phoenix did beat San Antonio 123-121. The Suns basically sitting most of their starters. That said... The backups came in and did a heck of a job. Eight players in double figures, including uh, Javon Carter, who started in place of Chris Paul. He was one assist away from a triple-double. 19 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. Phoenix is a half game back of Utah. And the Jazz 
do play or do play Sacramento later today. It will be a depleted Sacramento team, so it should be an easy Jazz win. But you never know. Meanwhile, on the floor right now, Golden State a 42-37 lead over Memphis, 5:23 to play in the second quarter of this contest. The Warriors were down quite a bit early, but have rallied back and getting eight points from Draymond Green, nine points from Steph Curry. The winner of this will be the eighth seed in the West and be just one win away from making it into the playoffs. The loser will become the ninth seed and face San Antonio in the play-in game. Some finals in for Major League Baseball. That's where the Angels have come back to beat Boston 6-5. Shohei Itani, a two-run homer in the eighth inning to lift the Angels to the win. Uh, Baltimore, a 10-6 win over the New York Yankees. Ryan Mountcastle, four RBI. Michael Frankel had three RBI. And Ian Happ, a home run double, two RBI. The Cubs win in Detroit, 5-1. As we send it back now to Steve Hartman and Rich Rich Hornberger. One more note, Steve. Yes. Your UCLA women's water polo team won their semifinal yesterday, so they'll play for another national championship later this afternoon. Against who? You know, against you, it's always this. It's always against the same team. I don't know. You mean the USC team? Yeah, uh, Southern Cal. Okay. All right. I always like. I love those sports where like there's only four schools involved, like the same four schools every single year. Although Rich's wife, I don't know if you know this, she was part of a volleyball dynasty at Penn State. I remember back in the day, Rich, where when I went to UCLA, I mean, it was all it was all West Coast oh, volleyball yeah. was all. Except the one exception was Penn State. Yeah. And this is going back 30, that, 40 years ago. And that's been in the case in men's, too. Yeah. Why Why Penn State and volleyball? What happened there? Nobody else seems to care about volleyball in the East except Penn State. They had a, a they continue to have a great coach there named Russ Rose, mm-hmm. who just has a way of recruiting and has an incredible uh, ability to maximize talent. And Well, how do they get? I mean, your yeah. wife's from California. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, she could have played locally, right? I mean, there's all these great volleyball schools on the West Coast. Why would she choose to fly all the way back to Penn State? Well, in her case, oddly enough, her dad, who also grew up in Southern California, went to Penn State to play basketball. Oh, there you go. So she was a legacy situation. But there are a lot of girls from all over the country who, you know, look, if Penn State's offering, they're they're accepting because, like you said, they they become such an established powerhouse forever in volleyball, women's volleyball men's volleyball is really good too but especially women's all right let's get back to the nba as we are about to embark on first the play-in tournament and then the nba playoffs it's been a rough year for the nba ratings are down 13 percent from where they were last year and last year obviously was a disastrous season so how do you get you you can make up for baseball does this i think better than any other sport where they seem to make up in the postseason for somehow, baseball gets very fortunate with the playoffs that some of the things that may bore you over 162 games in baseball actually work in the playoffs, where there's more urgency to the games, the lack of the clock suddenly comes into play with teams making comebacks. It always seems like baseball at some point has that dynamic series. I mean, we saw last year between the Cardinals and the Padres in that opening round, the Padres were down a couple of starting pitchers. They lose at home. They're down big in their second game, and then they make this miraculous comeback. Tatis hits home runs and Myers. And then, I mean, so baseball finds a way. The NBA needs that in the worst way this year. They really do because this regular season, in my opinion, 
and I've been following NBA basketball for a long time, has been one of the most nondescript seasons that I can ever remember because they seem to just rush all the games. We had so many star players miss significant time for a variety of reasons, whether it was self-induced or injury-induced. They need their stars. When, when you when you get to the playoffs and you get the spotlight, you know what you need more than anything else? You need your stars to really perform. Oh, yeah. So to see LeBron back in action last night with AD, that's certainly good for the Lakers. I mean, the Nets, I mean, let, let's put it this way. If we had a Nets-Lakers NBA Finals with both teams at full strength, with Durant and Harden, and Kyrie, and LeBron, and AD, and all the other supporting cast at full strength, don't we have potentially one of the great NBA Finals matchups of all time? In my opinion, yes, on paper, but you have to see how these things play out because you're going to have what looks like a, a, a great Finals matchup on paper, and then in play, it just never has the juice. I think... Given that we're talking about multiple players now and multiple storylines amongst these players, um, you know, who've had finals experience, whether it be in the case of Irving and James together on these Cavs teams or Durant against LeBron mm-hmm. James in the past or the newcomer Anthony Davis on the scene who's looking to repeat success. Uh, Blake Griffin, who's never really had the opportunity uh, throughout his career and might have missed his window, but all of a sudden is now now attached to this team with all these other stars. Yeah, you would assume that we're going to be delivered a great finals then. And hopefully that's the case because I agree with you. This regular season has been a complete snooze. It has been a non-factor. And I think it actually, there's an argument to be made for this play-in playoff because it's made the end of the regular season somewhat more relevant. It's going to make the opening round, this play-in, a lot more relevant for fans of those teams, certainly. And I've always said this, and I, and I'm, I stand by it. I think it works in Major League Baseball, and I think it's going to work for the NBA. When you have urgency well. created by short series or one-game events – to determine the fate of a team after playing 162 game seasons in you know or in baseball or 82 game seasons in this case abbreviated in the 70s in basketball it makes it a more exciting watch all right so right now we got golden state taking on memphis the winner of this game will be the 8 seed in the play in tournament the loser will be the 9 seed golden state's winning this game by 9 right now we're about a minute to go in the first half and let's put it this way if Portland wins tonight against Denver, it doesn't matter what the Lakers do. The Lakers are going to be in the play-in tournament. Who would have dreamt that in a play-in tournament, you would have a matchup between the Lakers and the Warriors? Well, and that goes that brings us a step further. I mean, that I will say this. If we have a Lakers-Warriors play-in game, and you don't pull numbers for that game, you've oh, got problems. You've got big problems. I think it will pull numbers, obviously, and for obvious reasons. Um, I, 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 I'll, I look again, emphatically support the idea of creating urgency with shorter series or with single elimination. I realize this is kind of double, double elimination in most, uh, in most ways in this play in, but I, I, I think it, it buoys 
the interest in the playoffs right off the jump, especially if you have stars like Steph Curry and LeBron James involved. All right. Keeping our eye on this game right now. Inside a minute to go. Golden State up by six right now, taking on Memphis. All right. Still to be determined, of course, all the other seeds as far as the upcoming NBA playoffs are concerned. I just I, – I wonder about the NBA. We, we, we sort of glossed over it a little bit earlier when we were talking about having to answer to so many people that you're financially beholden to and why it was so important for the NBA to try to rush through this regular season to make sure that the NBA was going to have a presence in this summer's Tokyo Olympics, which, by the way, are in jeopardy right now Oh yeah, because of another major outbreak of COVID, especially in Tokyo itself, where 70% of the people of Japan, Japan are saying, cancel these games. That would be unbelievable. How how tough would that be for the NBA if all the sacrifices you made to ensure that you have an opportunity to participate in the Tokyo Olympics goes out the window if they have to cancel the Olympics? Well, yeah, it would be a huge blow Oof. to their their international um I guess you would call it uh viewers. I I, I mean because that's what this is essentially all about. It's the- almost a obligation. Well, yeah. They have an obligation. To a certain extent, the players do and the league does to a certain extent because, again, there are many Asian markets who tune in with a more voracious appetite than the American audience these days. It's it's unquestionable. Uh, and the game is global, and it's important that not only the league represents itself but also certain players who have shoe deals outside of this country. Huge money. It, uh, huge money. I was talking yesterday to Ryan Hollins. He said, you know, even when you're just a fringe guy. Oh, yeah. When you are over there, they're, they, they, you stand out in the crowd, let's put it that way, and they're throwing money at you. And what are you going to say? No. It's a very, uh, I, I'm telling you, I know this from from uh, from following other sports internationally and i i mean i'm not i don't follow them closely but i have my you just mentioned my wife earlier who played volleyball in college i mean sp- olympic sports especially you know things like women's volleyball where you know maybe they don't rate as well here in the united states like they are they're gangbusters over there right we're, we're talking about million dollar salaries hundreds of thousands of dollars paid to these athletes on an annual basis to play, or really the semi-annual basis to play over there. I, I mean, sport. It's 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 a completely different scene. It's it's difficult to describe. So when you have like, I mean, talking the best athletes in the world playing in our league, when they visit internationally, it it's like it's like you get the royalty treatment overseas. Oh, they just they just literally throwing money at you. Put your put yourself in their shoes, right? You say, "Well, you know, I don't know about your politics and everything." You want the money? I'll take the money. Thank you. I'll take the money, uh, and that's what the NBA has done. And because they have compromised themselves and have to answer to so many people, they are financially beholden to. It makes it. I'll put it this way: the NBA, they need Adam Silver. You talk about a guy that earns his keep. Oof. There's a guy doing a juggling act. You talk about the toughest commissioner job. He has a global situation to deal with. All right, coming up on the other side, we're going to get back a little bit to the National Football League, which, of course, stands alone, doesn't it? It's just something about the NFL. Another example of why 
the NFL rules the sports world. Coming up next. Stephen Rich, hey, congratulations again, Pearl Moore. She is a uh, Hall of Famer. That's right. Pearl Moore. That's right. She's on the list. Uh, elected today. Nea Smith. A four-time AIAW Small College All-American. Oh, yeah. Moore. There you go. Tony Kukoc. Tony Kukoc. Ben Wallace. And then, of course, the immortal Howard Garfinkel. Yeah. I. You know what? I truly um, <laughs> I truly loved his, uh, his musical work in the 70s. Yes. Can't him wait and, for their speeches. Him and Simon. Yeah. 16 new members to the Basketball Hall of Fame. You're like, didn't we just have that yesterday? Yes, we did. 16 more today. Could be 24 more tomorrow. They might just like, who have we missed? This is exponential growth. Are there growth. any names that we miss for the Basketball Hall of Fame? Yeah. Uh, I want to thank Iowa Sam. By the way, Justin. Iowa Sam's been elected to the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. Congratulations along with Simons and Garfinkel. Yes, there it is. Congratulations. <laughs> I didn't uh, want to say anything bef- before the show. I knew it was coming, uh, though, uh, and I'm congratulations. Honored. Hold on, hold on. This just in. Ralph Urban has also been elected <laughs> wow. to the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. Congratulations, Ralph. He had never actually played college no. basketball or any level mm-hmm. of basketball. Yeah, but um, mm. he's... I do have a state championship in uh, high school basketball. Okay, never is. mind. I apologize. Very good. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, that counts. I... Remember, it's not just the NBA; it's the Basketball Hall of Fame, and and I got a big ring for it too. There, there, there you go. go. And he, as a matter of fact, he got voted in on mm. the big ring committee. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, we only got the ring last year, so it was thirty years in the making. There he goes. There you have it, uh, Ryan. Unfortunately, you made the finalist list. But you're gonna have to wait till next year. So 2022, Ryan. Yeah, they they only had uh, so many spots. You and me both. That's so all right. I Can't topped out in eighth. But there's grade. always next year, and based on everyone that's in the basketball hall of fame, your time is coming almost assuredly. There that's it right. Is. Both as a player and a coach, <laughs> and as a contributor. There's that's three right. different categories. Perfect. So he one time, yeah, he's getting voted. See, you have to understand how this works. I I put a lot of stock in halls of fame, and Rich puts no stock oh, in halls zero. of fame. So when something like this happens, I'm giving him a lot of ammunition. Yeah, because look. when you talk about <clears throat> insignificance of a hall of fame, and I'm trying to make an argument about you know hall of fame actually has some meaning, and then this <laughs> happens, and then Rich is just like. As I said, this means absolutely nothing. When you leave, when you leave greatness up to subjectivity, right. it's going to get awfully squirrely. <laughs> yes, it really is. And I mean that goes. And by for the way, the all of these halls of the fame. difference between the basketball hall of fame and let's say we know the baseball writers that vote. They have a list of names. They even list their ballots. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we also know who exactly is on the Pro Football Hall of Fame committee. This honors committee. We don't know who's on it. No. We don't know how the vote goes. They just sort of come out and say, here are the names. There you go. <laughs> There's your new uh, Hall of Fame class of 150. There you go. Put everybody in. All right. So getting back to the uh, NFL. <laughs> as, as we always seem to get back to the NFL. Oh, yeah. In this last week, think about this. They, uh, The draft, as you know, had bigger numbers than the Oscars. That is correct. The draft. 
the draft. Yes. We're not talking about a game, the draft. Well, I will say this. Yes. I mean, part of that is due to the fact that the NFL had a full mm. regular season and postseason <laughs> and movies uh, barely happened I, I in entered, 2020. So, But it was a draft. You know, I get it. I mean, you're just – I mean, outside of the first – Five picks, maybe ten picks. You're just calling out names. Yeah, they yeah, have yeah. nobody, clue, no clue on who any of these names. It didn't matter. No, people were still watching. Oh yeah. Uh, and then this week, the NFL they always find something to do, and this was the announcement of the schedule. Yeah, the schedule. Wednesday was a big day. I don't remember breaking down the MLB schedule or the NBA schedule. Although we may be talking about a couple of Christmas Day games with the NBA. But, I mean, when you're hearing national shows, everyone like, let's break it down. We dad, we actually, my, my producer down in San Diego, he broke down the game of the week for all 18 weeks. And it was interesting enough to actually put it together. We're just like, yeah, week 16. Because anything could happen. But it was a constant reminder that the NFL is. No, it's just stratospheric right now. <laughs> it is. All the naysayers that say, at NFL, they'll see their day. Oh, yeah. You'll see. No, it's never going to happen. I got to I gotta get back home and see if I got my uh, Hall of Fame induction in the mail yet. <laughs> I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.